Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm a feminist, but... (laughs) Hello, 5th Anniversary Show! (laughs) Happy 5th birthday, gang. I'm a feminist, but... Uh, Not only have I not burned my bra, tonight, as I was walking out the door in this frankly obscene jumpsuit, which I put on because it's my fifth birthday, and I thought, fuck it, if you can't get your tits out on your fifth birthday, when can you? And I, that, okay, that doesn't sound good. Don't take that out of context and cancel me, please. Uh, Fifth birthday of the podcast. And so I thought, yeah, I'll wear a low cut. And then uh, the bra that I was wearing, which was a strapless bra, I realised was sinking a bit in that way that strapless bras do and flattening me a bit. So I quickly grabbed, just as I was running out the door, a particularly plungy hoist-them-up-to-your-chin number. And as I was walking through the foyer of King's Place, I looked down and realised I had it in my hand for everyone to see. They call me Two Bras Francis White. That's the second one. And uh, I don't know, this is probably against COVID regulations, but I'm just going to throw this one into the audience. (laughs) So, wasn't expecting to do that, but I feel so fucking rock and roll tonight. 
throwing my bra away. Perfectly good bra. Uh, it's probably only M&S, but, uh, but still. Um, it's been on my sweaty body tonight. I apologise. It's definitely against COVID regulations. I'm so sorry. Sorry. I'm a feminist, but... It was only while watching a nine-part documentary series on sex cult leader Keith Ranieri. <laughs> okay. A man who had asked women to uh, count their calories, who had branded them with his initials and used them as sex slaves. That It was the second last episode where I saw him say, I think women are weaker than men. That I thought to myself, hang on. This guy's a misogynist. <laughs> Uh, I'm a feminist but um, um, we're not allowed to touch the microphones and um, they've made it too tall for me but that wasn't it I'm a feminist but this week I test drove a car to buy with my own money that I earn a big car great big mega dick of a car all by myself and I said all the right things. I talked about the tread, how it drove. I said uh, how well it's the steer. I said all the right stuff. I said like, uh, just want to check it's got like CarPlay. I said stuff like that. Um, talked about how I knew it had a VW engine, even though it was a Seat. Said all that stuff, and it all went really well until right at the end. Just we we're going to close the deal. I went just going to quickly ring and check with my stepdad if it's a good idea. <laughs> what did he say? He said, hold off and wait, and then they will come back to you with probably with better deals. So I Did they? I, I don't know, actually. I'm hoping to hear tomorrow. <laughs> We've all got our fingers crossed. Jessica Moscow, everybody, Alison Spittle. You'll be seeing more of them tonight. I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> Woo! Uh, last week, I was talking to my girlfriend, who is bisexual, um, about the difference between dating women and dating men. And I said to her quite genuinely, um, oh, I imagine it might just be a bit more sensitive being in a relationship with a woman. And she looked me dead in the eyes and said, if a man ever objectified me the way you do, I would break up with him. Oh! Yeah. Wow! And warn her friends, that's what she said. (laughs) Cancelled, good night. Um, I'm a feminist, but... I actually have two. One, uh, women are supposed to not be good with directions. I just walked across the stage and came back here. I panicked! I don't know what's going on. I went with this one because it was short and we're not allowed to touch it, but I'm spinning all over this one anyway. Um, uh, For the people listening at home, I'm talking about a microphone, not a penis. Um, I'm spinning all over it. The people at home do not assume we normally speak into penises, just to be very clear. They have very good atmosphere. Um, that wasn't... I have brain damage. I've had a baby. Um, I was trying to think of the word acoustics and atmosphere was all there. It was like, it starts with an A. I'm like, not helpful. Doing a live show, yeah? Um, I'm a feminist, but uh, I, don't, I don't think people that have had a baby should be able to drive a car in the first three months. I'm sorry. Oh! I don't! The sleep deprivation is horrific. You don't know what you're doing. You put the baby in the fridge, you haven't got a fucking clue. And if you've got twins, I don't think you should drive till you're four. Um, That's how I... (laughs) Oh, that didn't come off as a joke. Bye! Um, I'm a feminist, but... 
Um, recently, I've been like more busy than ever before in my life. And I, I, I can't do the dishes or wash the clothes. And every time I come home to my messy house, I say to myself in shame, I need a wife. Hey. It's really bad. I, I would happily be your wife, Kim Abbott. Thank you so much. I will legally hold you to that. Great, super yeah. good. Like a contract? This conversation is contractually binding. Yeah. Okay, all right. Because yeah. tonight, what did you say when you saw my hair? It was my hair that you said? It's my... the peaky bra. Oh, the peaky bra. It's what did you say? The peaky bra said, I said, I fuck with you. It's like when you like something. I was explaining this to Debs because Never we have it. a small generational gap. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. She is from a cooler generation. I sat, do you know, I, this was the greatest moment of my life. Kima, Bob and I were walking, we're just on a charity thing together, that's why we were together. Yeah. And a man just looked at me and went, are you single? Yeah. And I he was kind like, of... He, goes, he, was like, he was like, are you single because you're gorgeous or something like that. It was like very direct and kind of just like the best cat call. But it was a sort of not a cat call because it wasn't for other people to hear, it was just for me to hear. It was more like an invitation to dinner. Yeah. And... I'm a feminist, but I kind of giggled coyly and went, what? And he went, you're gorgeous. Are you single? Yeah. And I looked at Kima and Kima just went, she's with me. <laughs> and we just kept you. walking. And I was like, do you know how good it feels to be with you, who's the hottest person and oh gets catcalled all the time? Shut up. And it was me. Everyone's going to fuck me, you guys. <laughs> I was so happy. And Kima said I was allowed because she was 25. I fuck with you Thank guys. You. Thank you for having Kima me. Kima Bob, we'd fuck with you. Oh gosh, it is small, isn't it? Yeah. Um, talking about the penis. No, the microphone. Listeners, I'm a feminist, but... Woo! Oh, it feels so nice to say that in front of people, not just my mirror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in my pants, eating pesto about the child. Um, I'm a feminist, but I actually thought that this is amazing. It's a live show in front of people. That's amazing. And I thought I'd take this opportunity to um, actually give some advice, to give a top tip to um, misogynists. Yeah, I thought that I would try and help um, move the movement along because, as we all know, it's not, it's not been working. Um, so here's a top tip. If you are a misogynist and you really want to, like, spaff out your misogyny <laughs> tip that was the wrong word um to <laughs> to every penis jokes uh, to everyone shit um <laughs> can tell i've not been in front of people in ages um so if you are a misogynist and you want to you know tell everybody you should be a misogynist with me I, I feel like don't bother looking at religion or biology to get your reasons why women are inferior or, or why women are pieces of shit. What you need to do, what you need to do is just take the very stone cold fact that despite everything that we know, Boris Johnson, this lockdown, has got more pum than me. Whoa! Yes. No, Boris Johnson, I spent, okay, I'm a feminist, but I spent too long going over the sexual history of Boris Johnson and thinking, is he good in bed? Because I don't understand. I'm fantastic. And I, my list isn't like that. I spent, I swear to God, I spent about a week where I was like, he date who? She's not, she looks good. Like what? And then I just sat there eating pesto in front of the mirror going, I, what am I doing wrong? Genuinely, that's what, um... 
That's what being in isolation uh, done yeah, to me. I mean, I can only assume the man's got a magic penis. He has a magic penis. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. The magic so, penis of power. There we go. Don't worry, gang. In January, a vaccine coming for attraction to Boris Johnson. I, I'm not really attracted to Boris Johnson. Kissed on my butt. Susie O'Connor, everybody! Hello. I'm a feminist, but every time a woman gives me a compliment and it's not laced with some envy, I'm like, I don't trust this bitch. Well, can I say, I'd fucking rip that dress off your back. Thank you. For two reasons. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, thank you so much, Sydney! Thank you. We will be seeing more of all of those glorious people tonight. That's right. It is, I'm apparently allowed to touch this one. It is a, it's a cavalcade. I'm allowed to touch this one, aren't I? Too late if I, I've already done it. But I am allowed, technically allowed. show of the Guilty Feminist. That's right. Five years ago, bar two days, on the 9th of December, we assembled uh, 30 people in the basement of a fringe theatre in London, 20 of whom I knew by name, 10 of whom were their mates. Uh, they're plus ones, they're bringers. Uh, is that Jonkel? Yep. Jonkel runs our Patreon. Jonkel, where were you at that first show? Of course you fucking were. Is there anyone else at that first show? Just give us a cheer. <laughs> Woo! What's your name? Hey! Have you been on this show? Have you been on this show a couple of times? Yes, okay. Um, so yeah, and we never expected at that point. I think I joked on the night about this going to an arena and this year we played the Wellington Arena. Absolutely amazing. Um, we played the Royal Albert Hall last year and it, we've just had such an exceptional time uh, getting to know all of you, growing with you, learning with you. We set out from the very beginning to say, we don't know it all. We don't know, we don't really know. We want to explore this. We want to learn about it. I think we're one of the first podcasts to do that. I think previously podcasts have been, I'm an expert, let me educate you. And uh, what we were saying was, we're numpties. Uh, learn along. And uh, I look back at some of the stuff we said in the first episode and I'm like, wouldn't say that now. No, I'd cut that now. No, I'd rethink. I've, I've repositioned how I think because I've learned so much from my audience who write in and go, you know that you, when you say that, you're excluding this group of people. I'm like, I didn't know. So this show feels very, very, very different from how it did five years ago. But it still has that same joy and same energy, which is still permeating from the people here. Now, tonight, obviously, we probably would have done our five-year anniversary show at the Palladium or something like that. But do you know what? I'm kind of glad it's at King's Place because this has been our residency and although, obviously, for, you know, for a big show, we, we want to fit in 2,000 people. We tend to go to places like the Barbican and the Palladium. We're so grateful and lucky that they want us and that they'll have us. We're so lucky to do the Robert Hall. But this has been our home, you know. We started in the 200-seat theatre, and Zoe built, you know, this with us until we were ready to upgrade to the big baby room. 
And uh, now we are always sold out in the big baby room. I know it doesn't look sold out tonight, but that is because it's illegal to sell it out. Um, uh, that's right. We have to have clusters of handmaidens. Um, <laughs> feminism's taken a turn. Sitting alone, rocking and crying, just grateful to be able to make eye contact with someone. I came backstage in my mask tonight and uh, somebody went, nice eyes. And I was like, that is such a 2020 compliment. So what have you done with your eyes? We make such effort with our eyes now. It's like, you know, uh, I might pop on a bit of liquid eye on it because no one can see anything else about me. Um, now, the very first episode, uh, the theme was nudity. Just give us a cheer if you heard the first episode. You might have tuned in later. Just give us, give us a cheer if you don't remember the first episode. Oh, God, you were all committed. You started with the first one. But uh, does anyone remember what my challenge was? Life drawing model, thank you very much. Five years ago, I was absolutely terrified to walk in to a life drawing class. But the lady made it a lot easier because uh, I was a bit late and there was already an incredibly glamorous girl, Lucy, who I'm friends with to this day. Because when you meet somebody naked, you are bonded for life. Um, <laughs> And Lucy was there, she was like 21, she was a student, and she had this very elegant tattoo of like a chandelier down her back, I think I remember, and she was glorious. And she was perched on a stool with the most elegant posture I'd ever seen. And I walked in, and the lady made it very easy for me by saying, take your robe off and put it on the chair and sit down next to Lucy. And I was like, no, oh no, 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 this is going to be the worst night of my life. But actually, do you know what? It turned out to be one of the best nights of my life. And that's the thing about The Guilty Feminist. You're never sure how it's going to go. But I, I'll tell you when it took a turn. She dragged a mattress across the floor, put a piece of red velvet over it, and said, recline. And I thought, I've got two options here. I can kind of go down like a mouse. But then, you know, we all know when we're lying down, Arms behind the head, tits up, is the power posture. Um, so I thought, fuck it, I've only got one option. So I lay there like that, and you have to lie there absolutely still for eight minutes. Once someone started drawing, you cannot move at all, which was unfair because a man moved around. So he was down the other end. I placed my knees very carefully, gang, and he moved around. I was like, oh, no, I can't move. But after I'd been there for like eight minutes, completely still, I started to feel like a queen, like an empress, like they were all hiding behind their clothes. And I was the one they had to draw. And I thought, I'm going to become a life drawing model. I'm going to do this for confidence. I'm going to do this like, you know, once every couple of weeks. I've never done it again. <laughs> but this week, Sophie Duker cajoled me into putting five nudes on the internet, which is a feminist challenge. Now, she tried to make me do it in the middle of lockdown in summer, and I said, fuck off, Sophie Duca. I don't think so. I haven't been waxed since 1978. I don't... Not everyone has to be waxed. I like it. I like the smoothness. I don't know what to tell you. I enjoy it. I've been not waxed and waxed, and I like the smoothness. And I just felt... You know, I just felt dowdy in lockdown. I just felt like there was no... Look, my natural beauty is predicated on a team of experts. That is just how it fucking works. And um, I, I'm a scrubber-upper, basically. Although I have become more comfortable with myself in my natural habitat, in my natural state, and that's a good thing to come out of 2020. But I was just like, I'm not posting nudes. I wasn't in the place. But this week, Sophie and I got on a Zoom podcast, and we were chatting about it, and I said I'd never done it. 
and maybe I would. And so as soon as we got off, she started posting, Deborah Francis White owes us all nudes. She's got to do it right now. She's got to do it now. Five nudes. And I meant like sometime that week when I'd chosen like, she was like, now, 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 now. So I thought, oh, fuck it. Fuck it. I've got to do it now. So I just went into the bathroom, took everything off, got a cup of tea, and just took a picture of myself in the mirror with a cup of tea here and my phone here. So you couldn't see the nipples because otherwise they throw you off Instagram. I know I got a nipple out on Instagram once before because of Amanda Palmer, long story. And uh, don't hang out with Amanda Palmer and not expect to end up kicked off Instagram, is all I'm saying. And uh, so I was like this, and I took it in the mirror, and then I took these other ones. I did one in the bath, which was more of a video. That sounds wrong, but it was, no, it was just, look, I left it on the highlights reel. You can see them for yourself. Um, And I just thought, fuck it, I'm just posting them. And I did a lot of stuff around it, you know, to mitigate it by saying Sophie's forcing me, um, so that people would not think this was me, you know, wanting to do this. And I put them out, and I felt that embarrassed awkward uh. but then quite soon I just thought it's only my body and I remembered that very first thing and I thought it's just a body we've all got one why are we so obsessed with hiding it and I realized that the five years of the podcast really had paid off because I felt incredibly liberated and then I saw all the people looking at it because you can tell who's looking at your stories and I saw like all these men in my life who had seen the build of Deborah's going to do this. Oh my God, me reposting Sophie, me going five seems like a lot. Oh, I have to do it. Oh, oh. And they had clicked through every one and then one and I thought they're going to stop after one. They didn't. They looked at all of them. These like just guys I know, like in comedy and stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, oh fucking hell. Oh, God. Like I'm going to be in rooms with them now. And I'm going to know that they looked at all of them. And they're going to know that I know that I looked at all of them because some of them listen to this podcast. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I was like, and I had this terrible, like deep down feeling of they're going to think that I feel entitled to be a sexy person. They're going to think, do you know what I mean? Like that, like so, only one person relates to that because sometimes observational comedy, <laughs> sometimes observational comedy is only to connect to one person. But I had this thing of like, do they think I'm taking myself seriously and that I think I'm sexy? And I was like do you know what? And I looked at the nudes again and I was like, I am sexy. This is okay. I'm going to take myself seriously as a sexual person in 2021. That's right. To the extent, to the extent where I have my bra on show tonight. And if you don't think that's serious, you're wrong. I've thrown a bra into the audience tonight. Have you ever known me to do that before? No. Do you know why? The nudes liberated me. Sophie Duker was right. I am liberated by the nudes. And then I did a virtual reality gig for a company called Creative XR, which stands for uh, Extra Reality or Extended Reality. Extended Reality. I was in a comedy club. So it was basically like we are now, except I've got a headset on. So it looks like I'm in this room, but I'm not. I'm in a room on my own because we've got COVID. And, but the thing is full of people. But you're all at home as well, but it looks like you're here. I mean, it's animated. It looks like you're in a cartoon. It doesn't look like there are real people there. But it looks like you're in a cartoon. So as you walk, what you can see is what you see when you walk. And you put your hand up and you can see your hand, but it's a cartoon hand. And you can point at somebody and they see that you're pointing at them and you do too. Except sometimes they've just gone to make a cup of tea in real life and it's just their avatar sitting there. So you're talking to them and then you realise there's no one there. It's weird, right? And so they said to me, and this is a real I'm a feminist, but they said to me, do you want this jeans and a t-shirt avatar? We've got two avatars that look a bit like you, just like a woman. Um, (laughs) 
One's jeans and a T-shirt, and one is in this hot dress that looks like she's a 90s glamour model. I went, obviously, the 90s glamour model. Who doesn't want to sex up at this point? I mean, why would I go out in jeans and t-shirt? It doesn't make any sense. And I thought, everyone's going to do that, right? Everyone's going to make themselves a sexier version of themselves. When I got out there, the whole audience were like, they weren't people. It was like a rabbit in a ruff <laughs> and a donut with arms and legs. And I was like, they haven't done that. What they've done is quite feminist. They've said, you can't make any assumptions about me. You cannot sexualize me. You cannot look at me and tell what gender I am. You cannot look at me and project gender onto me. You cannot look at me and project age onto me. You cannot look at me and project race or disability or anything of those on me because I'm a rabbit in a rough. <laughs> so what fucking assumptions have you got? And I realized that there was something very powerful about this because I might meet this rabbit in this rough and decide this rabbit in a rough is a twat. Not a nice rabbit in a rough. Don't like his political opinions, quite rude. But the next night, if I go into another bar and I meet another rabbit in a rough, do you know what I can assume about rabbits in roughs? Fucking nothing. Because this rabbit in a rough might have been a woman from Croydon who was 45 and, you know, had drove a Volvo. And this rabbit in a rough might be a 14-year-old boy from India. And I think more time in virtual reality is going to make us just make fewer assumptions in real life. But I also realized that um, I really love reality. Um, because you pick up a drink in virtual reality and it goes, because I'm not good at it. But then even when you get good at it, you can't drink the drink. It's made up. In reality, you can drink all of the drink. So I just, after that, wanted to go down Oxford Street going, oh my God, everything's real. I wanted to go like into a garden and go, oh, feel the plant. It's I can smell it. Reality's amazing. And I said it to this guy and he went, yeah, reality's got great graphics. <laughs> it's true. So those two experiences together have made me realize that I make assumptions all the time about myself and how people see me. And it made me realize a bunch of things. It made me realize that my assumption that I would want to go out looking like a 90s glamour model, when I can't even see my own body anyway, I can only see my hands, it didn't make me feel sexy at all. It also made me realize one final thing. There is nothing sexier than a glazed donut with arms and legs. <laughs> Just want to put your tongue right in that hole. Imagine shagging a donut. Come on, people. Come on. We have an amazing lineup for you for our fifth birthday. Are you ready? We've got a lot of comedy tonight, gang, from a lot of your favourites who, I know there's many of your favourites that aren't able to come, but we'll assemble many of your favourites. Uh, so please put your hands together and make the loudest woohooing noises you can behind those masks for the incredible Sintuvi! Oh my God, I'm so excited. I might cry. Um, I dressed up for the gig. I wore lipstick. Literally, I was leaving the house and my, well, I was trying to leave the house and my kid, the youngest one, she said, are you going to a party? It's lockdown. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to a gig. She's like, but isn't that in your room? I'm like, no, it's a live gig. So fuck off. Um, I didn't say it, I thought it. Um, so look, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I would, I, for me, guilty feminist gigs are not just gigs. They're also, there's a great deal of 
I don't know how to put that. You know, I feel like telling you things that I wouldn't normally tell people in gigs. So I'll tell you this. During lockdown, and it was a long lockdown, I came face to face with two truths that I can never turn my back on now because, well, now I know. The first is, um, I realized, is that I am not very integrated into British society. Thank God. Oh my God. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been paying attention, so it could have happened, um, but it didn't. I was so delighted, um, and I want to explain why. I'm very happy to live here. I feel very grateful that I have a UK passport for whatever the fuck that's worth now. But <laughs> I am. But I will say that the reason I, I'm because. I'm not integrated because, remember, I grew up in India. I came here to work. I got a job here, and then I met a man, and uh, as many of you may know, some of you may not know, no one may know, he's Danish, he was here working. We met, we got married. At which point we had two choices. One is to go back to India, but can't do that because the first time he gets food poisoning, he'll die. <laughs> so that was not an option. And then the second option was to go with him to Denmark, which... Well, first of all, I don't want to live in a country that makes London weather look like Bahamas, okay? <laughs> Second of all, I'm not living with white people who don't even speak English. <laughs> Are you joking? You think I came all the way from India to live with uh, foreigners who don't speak English? By the way, in India, all white people are called foreigners. Uh, who don't even speak English? Am I stupid? No. So that's not happening. So it was like, okay, this is the compromise place, right? So I don't want to be integrated. Please don't integrate me. But what I discovered during lockdown is that you guys have very surreptitiously integrated my children so much that it's, it bothers me, you know? Um, you have to, when I worked and then I had a child, I quit my job and people were like, oh my God, you're so maternal. <laughs> that's so, no. I'm not that maternal, it's just that I wanted to stay home and Indianify my kids, okay? Because I didn't want, and I mean this with all due respect, I did not want to have English kids. I like the good stuff, you know, the, oh, thank you, please, delighted, yes, is this a butter knife? Lovely. I love that. I love that. But I don't want this business of answering me back and being confused about mathematics. No. No. So I tried to stay home and Indianify them, you know? And I fucking failed. These kids are so English. I spent this whole lockdown with them and my son walked into the room the other day and said, all right, lads. <laughs> Who is lads? And also there's only one lad, it's me. I'm not even a lad. And the middle child, she wants to take a GCSE in art. And the school is encouraging it. They, they, they called. They had a Zoom with me and said, well, it's a very, she's very talented. I'm like, she's fucking doing an exam in her hobby. <laughs> Bastards. That's English, right? Um, that's so English. My youngest, I thought I better intervene early. So I've been, you know, I'm spending a lot more time make her do Hindu prayers, like really aggressively Indian, much more aggressive than I was raised. Make her like have a shower in the morning and the evening, because in India it's hot, here it's freezing. She's like, what am I doing? I'm like, get in the shower. <laughs> anyway, make her have showers, do her Hindu prayers, all that stuff. 
But during lockdown, I will say I got corona, it was shitty, but what was great about getting corona was I could just drag it out for so long. I watched all of Succession and had to do no housework at all. <laughs> By the way, love Succession. Who likes Succession? Oh my God, love that show. And once when I was watching it, I remember she came in. Cause what I said to my elder kids was that, look, I'm very sick, I could die. Right, and then your dad could marry some other bitch and she could hate you, so you want to, and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't seem that sick. And I was like, I am. So you have to take care of your younger sister, because she's very small, she needs food and bath and all that stuff. So I was like, you take care of her, I'm busy. And then I would just watch Succession the whole time. And um, then one time she came to me, because that whole plan of getting the big kids to take care of her sort of backfired, because she came to me one time and said, Mama, I have a question. And I said, what? And she said, what is a genocide? And I, and I was watching Succession, I was watching the episode where they're in the helicopter and he has the heart attack kind of thing. Sorry, spoiler. Um, and I thought to myself, not today, you know. Not fucking discussing genocide today. Watch the show. And then I realized that a couple of other problems with discussing genocide with a child. First of all, you have to pick one. Right? And when you start thinking what genocide you want to pick, all your biases come to the fore. <laughs> That's tricky. I mean, I'm not saying anyone has a favorite genocide. Please don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you think of one, and of course the ones I think of, and then I teach her, she goes to school here, she'll never hear about them. Because you guys don't teach about your genocides. You only, oh, Holocaust, Rwanda, haha, that's done. So many more. Uh, but they're not taught that in the English school system. Um, <laughs> So I thought, I'm not fucking getting into that. So I said to her, why are you asking? And she said, because, then she took her elder brother's name, he said that babysitting me is worse than being in a genocide. <laughs> so I texted him and I said, I'm canceling your phone contract. And I said to her, listen, it's a bad thing, genocide, and we'll talk about it another time. Your brother's an idiot, go and play. You know, so it did kind of backfire on me a little bit with that thing. The second insight, I have to go because I have not that much time. So I told you I learned two truths. One was about the kids and me and integration and so on. The second one was I learned that it was a very, very smart move on my part to not divorce my husband in 2008. <laughs> when it was so close. <laughs> you know, I didn't tell him. He had, he had no idea, but you know. <laughs> But I was so happy because he's turned out, he's just terrific. In fact, I think, and this is going to sound so weird, but I think the, the, I think the thing about my relationship with my husband that has not been working is I have not had enough time with him. And in lockdown, I was like, oh my God, I was so foolish in 2008. I could have fucked this up so badly. So I told him one day, I said, you know, I'm so happy I didn't divorce you in 2008. <laughs> And he said, oh, man, I'm so happy I didn't divorce you in 2007, 9, 11, 12. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. But that was my... And the reason is that during lockdown... You see, when lockdown happened, my first thought was, there is a mountain of unresolved arguments between my spouse and I that have only just gone by the wayside because he's been busy and I've been busy. What the fuck are we going to do when we're in the same house? Like, who's going to die first? You know, that was like, I was like, oh, shit. But it didn't come up. You know why? Because my husband came up with this great system where I would ask him a question that he had zero fucking interest in. But you know what he started doing? He started looking into his mind and thinking, what is the minimum amount of effort I can exert 
to give this woman a modicum of a reply that will work so she can fuck off and I can go back to football or whatever the hell else he was watching. And it worked. Because I remember asking him about my hair one day and I said, you know, because I had got a haircut in January and my children told me I looked like Karen. <laughs> and I was like, well, who, who, who's Karen? And my son said, you know, the kind of woman that complains about the salad dressing at ZZ's. And I was like, this is very specific. Do we know this bitch? Who is this? And then they showed me Twitter and I was like, oh. And so of course I knew. But I will say, the fact that they call me Karen makes me quite proud because it shows that I've raised my killer, my killer, my, ki my killers. I've raised these two killers. I've raised my kids to not see color. Because I'm many things, but you guys, I'm not Karen. So I asked my husband about my hair. I said, what do you think about my hair? And he said... Yes. <laughs> and I was like, yes? And he said, very much. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm glad I'm still married to you. Um, I gotta go, but oh, and one last thing I'll tell you. My youngest, she came to me another time and she said, I have another question, mama. And I said, what? Ugh. And she said, what? And please listen carefully. What is a thunder nonce? For any of you who are not following, it is a major pedophile, okay? So I looked at her, and I didn't even get into how she knew the phrase. I was like, you know what, baby? Come, let's talk about genocide. Come here. Come here. Anyway, you have, been, you have an amazing lineup. Thank you so much, you guys. Stay healthy. Be happy. Sing TV, everybody! Yes. So, Cindy, just before you go, because we're not getting much chat time tonight. I want to know no. this. It's been a tough and tragic year for everybody. There's no silver linings to a pandemic. But for some of us, lockdown's given us a silver lining, if we were lucky. Have you had a silver lining this year? Is there anything this year that you've been able to do or feel or have or that you wouldn't have had otherwise? Yes. Tell me. My silver lining is that I realised that anything can happen but you can still pretty much always get chocolate. <laughs> Very good answer. No, Very seriously. Answer. I mean, I don't think people appreciate. Yes. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. So with you. Huge, so with you. Huge. God, can you imagine the lockdown without any chocolate? Oh, my God. No, not possible. No, I will say that we, we had a limited amount of milk chocolate, which mm. I eat. My husband only eats 80% because he's so fit and all. And I eat milk chocolate and so did the kids. And then I opened the fridge and there was only two Kit Kats in the summer. Oh. Oh. And I came at night and took both. <laughs> and I put them in my room and the kids in the morning were squabbling. You ate it, you ate it. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you rate their advent calendars? No, no, I don't get into that whole thing. That's all my husband and Danish and all. I don't do all that advent. So, do, do they have them? Do they have them with a they little chocolate? They do have them, but they have Danish ones where you get like three strawberries and then you get money from Denmark. Denmark's a very wealthy country. They're fucking handing out money to kids for being able to scratch a calendar, whatever. They don't get the chocolate ones. I don't know, I don't understand. I don't get into all that stuff. Um... Nevertheless, than a very entertaining answer. Uh, that was so on brand, Cindy. Uh, um, can I ask you, Biden-Harris in the White House, a vaccine on the doorstep, maybe more than one vaccine, a cocktail of vaccines, do you have any hope for next year for yourself or feminism? What are you hoping for? What, are you, what do you think might happen? I hope that next year and the year following and the year following, 
especially with Trump gone and all that stuff. I hope that all the things, the hidden truths about feminism that my mother taught me, who passed away last November, will continue to stay very alive in me because she's not here to remind me on the phone, you know, say things like, you stay at home, you with the children, you will become just housewife, you have no money, you bitch. Uh, stupid bitch. Uh, I hope I can keep all that alive because I think, because I've never had to try hard because she's always been in my ear. Mm. So I hope next year and the year and the year and the year I can keep it alive in myself and pass it on. Wonderful. Really lovely. And... And finally, uh, we are five years old. Um, what kind of thing that a five-year-old might do are you hoping for the guilty feminist now? When you turn five, yes. you tell jokes that you think are funny. Yes. To people who are unsure. <laughs> We've been doing that for five years. And I That's think, my stock in trade. No, syndrome. and I think with guilty feminists, now that we're five, we'll continue to say things that we believe in Mm -hmm. regardless whether people who are listening care or not. Fuck them. TV, everybody! What a legend. What a legend. Please keep that applause going for a guilty feminist, much-loved regular. It's the incredible Alison Spittle! Hi. So my first ever episode of The Guilty Feminist was the 15th episode of The Guilty Feminist. It was called uh, Public Space. And it was basically, I got onto it because I wrote this article about how I was, um, I was street harassed a lot, right? And this year, like maybe about last week, I was thinking, I was like, isn't it great? I can't remember the last time I was street harassed. And then I was like, that's because you haven't left the house for nearly a year. <laughs> Look in your Instagram DMs, <laughs> you'll find it. Um, but uh, the thing about the whole lockdown for me, it's been kind of strange. I don't know how you felt, but like, I think morality has played a big part in this whole pandemic. Like, I didn't know what kind of values I held before. But I, I realised um, when my flatmate kept shagging this person that wasn't in our bubble, I have quite strong values, right? <laughs> and it's ever so strange because, you know, I feel I'm ex-Catholic, so I want to be sexually liberal. I'm not for me, for other people, you know. That's the way I am. I'm very judgmental on myself. Ride everyone you want around me, but not me, please. Like, the, that's the way I am. And... Um, like, in the first lockdown, when things were uber strict, I remember just, like, sharing, like, passive-aggressive WhatsApps with my flatmate going, you know what's illegal? And they were like, yeah, but I heard something on Joe Rogan. And I'm like, I don't know how many times you have to tell some men, Joe Rogan is not the police. Like, it will not hold up in law. Joe Rogan said it's fine. Like, you know, you need to stop listening to him for advice. Um, and the thing is... I have a lot of pigeons on my balcony. And at the start of lockdown, I felt like Snow White. I was like, I am a one with nature. Oh, look at these people. I gave them names. I was like, oh, you're cuckoo. <laughs> You've got purple feathers and uh, really bad feet. They have disgusting feet. Like if I was like a rich person who had no direction in life, I think I would create a charity for pigeons' feet. You know, 
pedicures for the pigeons. I'm going to throw all my money into ped... Would you like to come to my party? I'm going to have lots of Ferrero Rochers. It's for pedicures for pigeons. Uh, that's how I would be. But I, I was there with these pigeons, and um, I was self-isolating alone. My partner caught COVID, so he was, he was far away. <laughs> he was at the other side of the hallway. Uh, <laughs> that was so weird. It was such a weird time. to like I had to make him meals and leave it at his door. He honestly... I felt like I was in misery like I, we were having as much sex as the people in misery as well you know? and the, the pigeons were there and I felt like they were my only friend and uh, they were there for months and then um, I realised that the pigeon shit has a lot of acid in it did you know that? I did not I did not the bike is destroyed like I'm so upset and the other thing that happened is I did a gig last night for the first... Like, it's lovely to do a gig here. I've been looking forward to this gig for a long time uh, because, you know, it's Guilty Feminist people, it's inside, it's lovely. Did a gig yesterday. It was a drive-in gig. Very happy to have the gig. It's a very weird experience, though, to do a drive-in comedy show because I found yourself just going, beep if you like hand jobs. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I felt like I was at like a very organised dogging meet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was MC. I'd love to do that. If anyone has any MC in work for dogging, I would totally... Oh, I'd be up for that. Keep your windows up, be COVID safe. That's what I would be like. What was strange was that there was like outdoor food area and there was outdoor toilets and I've become that nostalgic now for stuff that happened before the pandemic and I even missed outdoor toilets. Like I opened one up and I was like, oh, the smell came to me. I was like, I remember this, you know. <laughs> Hello, old friend. <laughs> I don't care. And like I had to give it two flushes, didn't mind, do you know what I mean? I was like, part of the process, happy to be out. And... <laughs> Do you know, oh, that's so good. So I was there on the toilet and uh, I'd locked the door. Do you know, you, you feel that kind of like um, the click and that click of safety. You're like, me and you, friend, we're fine. And um, I was sitting on the toilet, uh, looking on Twitter, and um, I heard this voice outside. Oh, I'm going to see if this one's open. And I was like, ha, 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 it is not. <laughs> uh, it was. Um, <laughs> The lock had let me down. <laughs> and it's so weird. Like, if anyone ever walks in on you on the toilet, you make this, like, such a... The noise you make, because, you know, your brain is going so fast. You, there's, no, there's no time for language. There's no time for language. And it's like, ha! Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> and you're there with your trousers around your ankles. Please! Don't see me like this. <laughs> There's nothing. You just feel so vulnerable, right? And, uh, this, you know, she was great. Lightning reflexes, closed the door, had a bit of a chuckle. I was like, I'll let her have that. I'll let her have that. And <laughs> deserved, right? <laughs> and then there's that thing where you're there and you're like, right, do I lock the door? Or do I wipe? Like, what is my options here? And there's no lower point than that, you know? So I went, and I scooted over, and I locked the door, and I scooted back, and then, you know, just finished, and uh, kind of let myself get in my place, you know, breathe. Everything is okay, Alison. And um, I went and reached for the toilet paper, 
Now, it's a dark uh, toilet. And I felt something fabric-y, but it was also sticky. And I was like, what is this? I looked. I'm sorry, right? I'm a feminist, and I'm all very, like, you know, not period shaming anyone. <laughs> Someone had left their sanitary towel beside the toilet paper. What? I know. I know. I'm like, you know, not the kind of, sorry, I don't know where to put it. I'm not going to flush it. I'm environmentally aware. You know, roll it up like a little Swiss roll or something like that, you know? <laughs> The polite, the, the, the gentlewoman's way of leaving a sanitary towel somewhere. Not, not open sandwiched, you know? N- no, sir. No, not beside the toilet roll. I could not believe. I was like, lock us up again. We don't know how to live. This is... We need four lockdowns until people understand not to stick a sanitary towel in. So, there was no water in this toilet. There was no hand sanitizer in this toilet. I ran out. I shook the pube off my hand, right? And I ran out. I, this is a gig. I'd never met any of these people before that I was gigging with or anything like that, right? I burst into the green room, which is like a little shed. Hey, how are you? What's your name? Hi, can I have some hand sanitizer, please? Has anyone got some hand sanitizer, please, right? Please give me some hand sanitizer. And the MC was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He was being chill. He kind of put it across the table to me, right? I was like, no, you're going to need to have to pick that up and put that in my hand. And he's like, what? And I'm like, and then I told him, I was like, I've just touched some menstruation. I need, I need you to put some. So I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I think he was more freaked out by the mention of menstruation. He could, I could have asked him for like, you know, 50 quid. And he'd be like, yeah. Um, so, you know, I washed my hands and everything like that, told him the tale. I was like, this is terrible. And I, I went on stage and I said, who ran into me in the toilet? Who walked into me in the toilet? And someone beeped, right? And I was like, which one of you filthy bastards left a sanitary towel in the toilet? No one beeped. <laughs> no one beeped. And um, the thing is, um, oh yeah, it's been, it's been such a weird set, isn't it? Like, because it only happened to be yesterday and I'm still decompressing it. You know what I mean? Like, my hand still feels dirty and I know it isn't, you know? You know what it is? <laughs> oh, we're all feminists here. It's all fine. No, it isn't. Um, <laughs> and the other thing about lockdown as well, how many of you done? Uh, I bought a thousand piece puzzle. Yeah? Burnt it. <laughs> I, was, I honestly felt like... A <laughs> honestly felt like an achievement. Honestly felt like an achievement. Um, and I'm just going to look at my hand. Uh, don't worry, it's not like there's still not stuff on it. It's my jokes. <laughs> Could you imagine? And I've kept it here tonight. <laughs> I didn't make it up. Um, <laughs> I may be filthy, but I'm not a liar. Uh, that's <laughs> um, yeah, um, and it's so, it's so lovely to be in front of you, and it's so lovely to still be involved with Guilty Feminist. And uh, I'm going to finish off by being sincere 
and uh, say thank you so much to you listeners. Honestly, it did change my life, like being involved with Guilty Feminist, because I didn't feel weird for feeling like stuff was wrong. It felt like there was a club involved. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to end on this bit. I was going to do period blood stuff, but, you know. <laughs> also, never used to do jokes about periods until I did the Guilty Feminist and realised that's such a weird, silly rule that people give each other. And, uh, yeah, I hope you all have a good night. And uh, I think Deborah's going to come on now. Just about now. Hey. Alison Spittle, everybody. How are you? <laughs> Let's take a seat. Because yeah. it's weird standing far apart from each other. Because I kept feeling like I was moving towards Cinder and she was backing away. It's, but it's not because she's scared of me. I know, it feels so weird, doesn't yeah. it? Like, even when you're giving intense elbow hugs as well, they really hurt. So you feel like you're assaulting someone. And you're yeah. like, I just like you a lot. Um, <laughs> so, Alison, thank you so much. It was a beautiful set. Um, <laughs> I was worried because when I... Wa- <laughs> When I wanted to prove that I had brought a second bra to do so, I threw it into the audience. And yeah. when you said, oh, I'm just going to look at my hand. Oh, I haven't... I was like, oh my God, she's going to throw it into the audience. I was yeah. like... And it's here tonight. Yeah, I was, you know? just, I was worried. I was concerned. No, and do you uh, know what the other thing was? Someone went into the toilet after me and I shouted at them, that's not my sanitary towel, which automatically makes me feel guiltier. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, that looks like what a guilty person would say. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Alison yeah. has... 2020 given you any silver linings uh yeah it's been it i what have i done i've listened to a lot of audiobooks um i've tried meditation you've tried meditation it sounds like you tried it and gave it up oh yeah yeah isn't that how you meditate though isn't it i you just go oh fuck this (laughs) i've only done it a couple of times that wasn't for me i have to do something physical that's when my mind stops working yeah i can't just those meditation apps fuck off i know just somebody going oh and now you're visualizing water no i'm not shut up yeah i've sped through a few yeah um, That's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a seven-minute one and it was so boring. I thought, we'll just see what happens in minute three, see if it gets any more interesting. It didn't. Yeah. Was a, skip to the end, skip to the end. There was no cliffhanger. There was no plot. There was no plot. I'll be perfectly honest with you. There's no plot. But you've done an amazing co-video party and oh, you've made yes. a lot of friends doing that. I forget Sorry, that. not to nudge your silver lining out of you. No, I'm glad you did. I, like, uh, I really love doing co-video party. It's a thing I do where we watch films together on Twitter. Ah, uh, hello. And uh, so I don't even know what that woo-woo meant. But, but you always dress up as I a do. character in the films. It's so brilliant. Oh, mate, I make a sexy Shrek. Like, yeah. you know? You do brilliant costumes. Get involved if you have not got involved in Covidia Party. Mm. Do you have any hopes for feminism or yourself next year? I would like working class women to stop being used as some sort of battering ram for other parts of feminism. It mm. really annoys me because I think that working class women don't get listened to a lot of time and we only get brought up, I feel, to attack other people. And I'd like that to stop. I'd like us to be listened to. Mm. And uh, sorry, that is overly sincere, isn't it? Yeah. But it just... it just. If it was a joke, it fell flat. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah. It's, no, I hope I, it was sincere. Because yeah. I think people say that like the Me Too movement is like not good for working class women. Working class women need it more than anyone. Imagine being in a position where you're in a minimum wage job mm. and you still have to work there with someone that sexually assaults you. And I don't have to imagine it. I know a few people that have to continue doing it. And I hate to see uh, women's problems being seen as something that doesn't affect working class people because it really does. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to reach out more. Um, I that's that's all it sounds like i'm being very passive aggressive no <laughs> but like that is my genuine thing i'd like no, to no. Work for feminism um, do you have any hopes for yourself for next year um i'd like to be a millionaire okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll make that happen can we crowdfund that can alice become, we like, would uh, i would i think a lot of people would would chip in for that they'd yeah. be like just let's let alison have a million quid. just a cool million a cool million okay cool million just a and cool finally million. we are five years old that's incredible a, yeah it's a new era mm. what do you want to see from five-year-old guilty feminist well i think of something i did when i was five um ask my dad to stop drinking that would be <laughs> good very good well that'll be top of the agenda we will, we're gonna ask the patriarchal dad to stop drinking thank you very much alison spindle everybody Thank you, thank you. Okay. Just checking the running order. I got so excited about Alison Spittle, and we've got lots of amazing people backstage, but that's not incompetence. Uh, it's just overexcitement. Uh, think, of my, think of me as a five-year-old at her own birthday party, and you will understand the vibe. I actually wanted to have a cake, but then I thought with social distancing and stuff, you can't hand it out. I thought, I can't blow on it. I can't spit on a cake. Can you imagine? We used to spit on a cake. Do you remember that? That was a tradition for many years. You would spit on a cake, and then you would hand it out and say, please have this cake laced with my spit. That will never come back. That will never come back. Especially as when I hear the happy birthday song now, I'm triggered to manically wash my hands. Twice. No, I don't want spitty cake after that. Birthdays are going to have to change. New song, new cake, new non-candles. Uh, firecrack. First, fire, those ones that go out, sparklers, sparklers that go out. And we'll all sing the song. But step back when you sing the song, because singing is a, the worst way to catch anything. We've changed fundamentally, even after the vaccine. We're screwed, aren't we? We are all going for the rest of our lives. We're going to be the generation that just washes our hands on a loop until we die. Um, <laughs> Uh, listen, we've got an incredible guest coming out now. She is absolutely one of my favourites. We're going to sit down and have a chat. Uh, she's a very close friend of mine, a really glorious person, and she's had a lot of big hits this year on the telly. Please put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Susan McCormack! <laughs> Susan McCormack. Hi, babes. So absolutely delightful to see you. It is. You look so fit. Well, it's unbelievable. Thank you very much. That's it's terribly gorgeous. kind. I was about to undermine it. I'm not going to. I'm no, just going don't. to accept the compliment and smile. You cannot undermine that. Woo. I don't know what's okay. Well, I, the rest you of you. You can tell I haven't really the, the, been around people. I'm just like, uh. yeah. I, the rest of you can go. Uh, you can all go. Susan and I are going to have a quiet <laughs> night in. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Susan, tell me yeah. a little bit about your year because I, one thing I want to talk to you about is that you played a jiu-jitsu teaching suffragette. Do you know this thing about suffragettes doing jiu-jitsu? And that was to protect themselves because they were manhandled the whole time. Mm -hmm. They called it suffragitsu. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there was a big hit show this year out on Netflix called Enola Holmes. It's a film 
uh, on Netflix called Nola Holmes and tell me about the character you played. So yeah, so I played a character called Edith Grayston who was based on, you've caught me now, a real woman called Edith who used to teach, with her husband actually, um, we used to teach <laughs> suffragettes um, jiu-jitsu, so to how, how to um, protect themselves. And actually, Helena Bonham Carter's character in the film Suffragette was also called Edith, based on the same woman, loosely. Loosely, so that was a bit of a that was a bit of a That's casting interesting. wink. Yeah, like casting wink. The you yeah. and Helena Bonham Carter often yeah. cast often in the same castings. Yeah. Did you actually said to me once you had a thing for her and her style? I remember this. I oh. do feel there's a weird link between you and Helena. Yeah, Bonham I Carter. did actually, didn't I? You yeah, did. That's why I was, I was, I was not being right when I said you had a similar casting because there's something of the energy of Helena Bonham Carter. She's a lot of fun. Of course, so she is a lot of fun. Well, well, Tell those, us more. Well, it was a huge... I can now talk about it. It's a huge film, like the biggest thing that I've ever been a part of. We filmed it last year, so this was in the before times. And, um, and it was really huge. And when you turn up, big things like that, you sort of know your place, you do your thing, you go home. And uh, we actually had a scene together that got cut. Um, oh. no, it's a good, You it's and a, Helena? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got cut. Is there a deleted scenes anywhere that we I can see? I don't know, but I don't know because it's, a, it's an alternate ending to the oh, whole film. Oh, oh. Uh, yes. God, we're going to get an exclusive. I probably shouldn't have said that, actually. Um, but it's a completely different ending to that. It's completely different. Um, and so I spent my first day with, just with Helena and she's just so, she was just so fun. And I thought, God, I hope I still am, am that fun and that curious when I'm on set. And she was the one who was like, oh, did you, did you watch Suffragette? And I was like, no. Um, and I uh, should have. I'm a feminist, but I should have, really. And, um, it took me ages. And she said, yeah, no, just No, I really happened. enjoyed it. It just took me a while to get around to it. Longer than it should have to get around to it. But I know, no, it was, for you I as well, really, mate. Like, I really enjoyed it. But go on. But yeah, so no, you so had she the, was the one. And she said, I played the, the, yeah. your, the same woman. And I was like, oh, better, better be good at this. And then, and I was. Um, yes, so thank you. I was all she right. was. I was all right. I was all right. You um, were phenomenal as you always are. Thanks, um, mate. What was the reception? Oh, gosh. So it was, it was weird because the film was not meant to be on Netflix. It was going to be a cinema release, which was going to be really fun. And then we were going to go to premieres and stuff like that, all that fancy stuff. And then COVID happened and they said that it was going to go on Netflix. So it was weird, the film sort of blowing up and me just really honestly doing Zoom, like press conferences in my pants, waist down. And, uh, but like really done up up front, like, yeah, so the thing is about the fob, and then just like just. packets of empty crisps by my feet. <laughs> just like, oh, just lockdown. misery everywhere else. Um, so it was really <laughs> odd to sort of... <laughs> I'm just imagining you doing a press junket, um, dolled up. And then like track pants yeah. and like Hulu packets. Yeah, yeah, just like you. really, hoops, it was bad. Hoops. I think that was when I was in my Jaffa Cakes phase. I was like, this is oranges, it's fine. Um, yeah, it's one of your five a day, a Jaffa Cake. It is, but It's orange inside. Yeah. But it was weird having this really fun, amazing thing happening and it was exciting. And actually the pressure was off for all the premiere stuff, which in sort of like fantasy world, it's fun. But I know the reality of all that stuff is really stressful. Yeah. In terms really stressful. Oh my God, I'm, I'm a black woman. I can moan about stuff like that. Um, we've got fun. other things to worry about. Um, especially this year. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just couldn't be bothered doing the premiere. And it was just such a blessing. Um, but no, it was because I get very, I do get very self-conscious. I get very self-conscious and I don't want loads of people looking at me all the time. And so the fact that that pressure was off just meant that, you know, someone else could, press go so how they do it on netflix it's like it's midnight and go and then everyone could just enjoy it and 
leave you alone. Yeah. It's good. And you had a brilliant scene uh, with Sherlock Holmes. With Sherlock, with Mr. Henry Cavill. He's big. <laughs> tall, tall, tall. Get your mind out the gutter. Um, very tall. <laughs> yes, <laughs> carry on. Is that code for handsome? I mean, have you seen him? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Like, he's so handsome that you sort of look at him and you go, oh, well done. Well done. Well done, mate. Hey, well done, mate. That's, I do that. When someone is so beautiful, I go from like, oh my God, from awe to just like, yeah, well done. Yeah, genetics were uh, very, very, uh, very, very kind to you. Uh, moving on. I just, Did like, you congratulate Henry Cavill on being handsome? In my mind. <laughs> Did you do any suffragette with him? No, I had to um, beat up Millie Bobby Brown, which was weird because she was 15, a child. And they were like, just flip her, flip onto the like, She's flip my over. producer. She's my boss. Oh, wow. Yeah. She produced it and yeah, you were having did. to throw her on the floor. Yeah, she loved it. I thought maybe there was a Henry Cavill jiu-jitsu scene that got cut or was it just what the fans were demanding? I think that is what the fans were demanding. That's why I knew there was something about a jiu-jitsu scene. <laughs> and I think what it was was they wanted you to have your own spin-off show and then maybe that, yeah. you said in the spin-off show, could I do jiu-jitsu with mm. Henry Cavill? Mm. It was you saying that. That's I right. think I could do that. I yeah. think I could do it. I could do it. Like, whatever. Oh, like a boo, if I have me, to. I Listen, um, I somebody has to do jiu-jitsu with Henry Cavill. And I'll if that it. somebody has to be, if you have to step up in 2021 to have your own spin-off Guys, show. I'll do it. Would you watch a spin-off show with Susan McComa <laughs> as Edith, the jiu-jitsu-wielding suffragette? <laughs> I love what you're doing. You're really, really helping me with, like, work. Yeah. Because... Because it's like, I'm all very lucky and stuff, but you know, like live theatre and everything is dead. So anybody who wants to just like big me up, um, yeah. you can find my CV online. Just send it out. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love it. I feel like there's a really, there's a, I don't know, just something about the suffragettes doing jujitsu and yeah. training. Just, I just yeah. love that idea. I just think there's a full show in it. Yeah. Like suffragettes who bitches or something like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> suffragettes. bitches. And I could just see like the poster where it's you and like, you're obviously the lead suffragettes who bitches. <laughs> but there's like in a sort of arrow shape there's women the behind classic you. movie poster arrow yeah. shape and I'm there and then you've got like Margot Robbie there. why did I pick Margot Robbie um, yes. I did uh, Margot Robbie and then Viola Davis is there yeah. and then you've got Janelle Monet because you know they like to get like an, a singer a singer yes. who can act to like sort of bring the music audience in and then we can have like Amanda Sternberg um, I see you've given there. this no thought Susan no, no thought <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> it's been a long year uh, um, no <laughs> I am so excited by the show. Uh, if you are listening and you run a streaming service, and I do mean Netflix because they own the rights, uh, <laughs> could you please commission Suffra Bitches and uh, <laughs> me and Margot Robbie? It's basically, I'll tell you what it is. It's uh. Suffragette meets Karate Kid. What was the What's the oh Karate Kid show this year? What's it called? Oh. Um, Cobra Kai. That's it. I did watch that. It was an earlier point in lockdown. I watched that. Cobra Kai. So I it's, haven't seen that. It's Suffragette okay. meets Cobra Kai. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, it's called Suffragettes, and Susan and I will write it. Yep. So I'm saying this out to the ether. Have you got time? I'll make time for this. Okay, cool. I'll make time right, for this. Um, Could I have like a cameo? I don't want like a lead part or anything, but I want a cameo where, like, you know, like Stephen Merchant in The Office or, you know, where okay, he yeah, yeah. comes in. Like, I want to come in once an episode. Right. I want like, to see. At the end. Doesn't matter when. I just okay. want, I want one short scene in every episode. Okay. With me? Yeah, ideally. Okay. Yeah, but, but, or if Henry Cavill's free, that's okay, fine fair. too. If I have fair. to do it with Margot Robbie and Henry Cavill, fine, then I have to. Fine, she'll do it. I understand for the good of the show. <laughs> Um, 
So, Susie, can I ask you, were there any silver linings this year for you in this very, very difficult year? Ah, uh, silver linings. Um, Apart from the Jaffa Cakes. Jaffa Cakes by my feet. That was good. That was a high point. Um, I think... A silver lining has been... Oh, do you know what? I'm not even going to lie. I don't think that there were many. I mean, I did hope. I still hope, actually. I'm going to be hopeful. It was good to be able to say, I'm having a bad day. And everyone understood. Yes. <laughs> That's what I... Permission for mental health problems. Yes. I've never had that before, where you yeah. can just go, I'm really struggling this week. And you don't have to be like, it's because my mum didn't buy me a bag. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say fish. <laughs> I panicked. <laughs> Sorry, don't ignore that. Um, this is a plot line of stuff for bitches. Wow. Uh, don't, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so just being able... Sorry, I made myself laugh. Um, just being able to say, you know, I'm having a bad day and everybody understood what you were talking about. Yeah. Without, and, and that felt really nice and, yeah, less lonely. Because in 2019, I was living at such a speed. Mm. But if I'd gone on a Zoom call and gone, I feel a bit tiffle, actually, guys. I just, I'm just not really coping today. Everyone would have been like, uh-huh, okay, yeah. ready. Do we need to pass it around the industry that Deborah's not coping? Mm -hmm. This year, it's just like on for young and old. Yeah. You can just be like, yeah, I'm having a really tough one. And yeah. everyone just goes, oh, we understand. I was having a tough one yesterday and she'll be having a tough one tomorrow. Tough ones. Uh, what 2020 is made <laughs> a tough one. Tough one. Tough one. I tough don't know one. why she's talking like this, but tough she one. just is. Um, yes. So that is a brilliant silver lining. I hope for next year for feminism. I would say, I'm trying to think if I want to do a sincere one or a joke one. I'll do a sincere one. So go on, go on. We're here now. Um, lean, in, lean into the sincerity. So um, my um, sincere hope for feminism is that we... Do you know what? I feel like I did a play, uh, I did a play years ago, um, which was about the Labour Party. And there was a line in it that said, it's much easier to be on the right because there are ideologies that everybody agrees on. On the left, there's so we're all trying to honour everybody's opinions and ways of life that we are much more fractured. Yeah. And there was a point this year where I felt really disheartened. I was like, how can we all be able to live our truth and live our lives in a way that doesn't step on anybody else, but we don't argue amongst ourselves? Mm. And so my hope, my feminist hope, my absolute humanitarian hope is that not just on the left, but everybody, if we can just stop fucking arguing somehow, I don't know what the answer oh, is. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Like just to sort of build bridges, just to build bridges. And it can yeah. be done. And I understand when individuals, you know, are emotional about a particular topic and absolutely fair yeah. fucking play. If it's your oppression, you do not have to do that. But if you're an ally, please try and build a bridge. Yes. Please try and build a bridge. You know, I had a man yesterday reach out. I was doing a show that had feminist in the title, not this one. And a man just wrote to me out of the blue. He's a Facebook friend, but I didn't really know him. And he just said, I don't book... Uh, women who are politically aggressive on my comedy gigs and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think feminism is... It's not an appropriate topic for comedy because it's exclusionary, blah, blah, blah. And I really wanted to go, well, blah, 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 or yeah. screenshot it and say, this is what you have to deal with. And I just went, hold on, this man, something's going on here and he obviously feels left out of something. Yeah. Could I make him feel included? Could I give this a go? So I wrote back a series of questions and I just said like what makes you feel like that and mm. do you feel like that about all women and do you feel like that when men do comedy about politics mm. and so on and so on I ended up sort of building a bridge by saying you know when I listen to Two Dope Queens I learn a lot about how black women sometimes see white women mm -hmm. I laugh but sometimes I find it uncomfortable because I'm going oh shit I might do that mm -hmm. 
And I said, I don't want that space not to be there and I don't want that space to be whiter because that space is necessary mm-hmm. for black women mm-hmm. and also it's my kind of privilege to learn from that. Yeah. In a joyful space where people are laughing yeah. rather than being told off yeah. or whatever. And so I think that's important. And I went to a night where it was disabled comics and I learned a lot. Yeah. But they were able to just be like, this is what it is. This is what it's like and get that off their chest. And he said, oh, I think those spaces are really important. And I was like, he said, comedy can do so much. And I was like, absolutely. And I said, you know, a lot of men listen to The Guilty Feminist yeah. because they feel included in that. And so would you like to listen to some episodes that I could pan pick for you? And he said, I'd really like that. And he said, I'd like to learn in a really, in a sort of safe, inclusive place. And so I sent him some episodes and he was like sending me kisses and stuff. And I was like, look, he could have gone the other way. Mm-hmm. But I thought, what is it costing me yeah. to say, why do you feel that way? Yeah. You know, yeah. what is it costing me? And I really think he's going to listen. And, you know, the more that we can do that, it's so easy to do the other thing. But yeah. especially if it's not your oppression, please try and build a bridge first. Don't make negative assumptions about people. Mm-hmm. Even if they are showing you a negative side of them, that's not their only side. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm not saying we all have to build bridges with people who are racist. No. And, you know, I'm not saying that. But there's a lot of times when just, you know, building a bridge. Someone else reached out to me about trans issues. I was just about to say. Yeah. And it was somebody I knew, but she had been talking to people who'd been saying, it's biology, it's biology, it's biology. And you can't fight biology. You can't, you're lying to say, you know, that. Mm. And I just said to her, you know, I'm not my mother's child biologically. I'm adopted. Mm-hmm. And she said... Yeah, and I said, but I am my mother's child. It's more true to say that I'm my mother's daughter than not. And if somebody on the internet started saying, she's your guardian, you are lying. You're making real daughters of real mothers feel alienated and excluded. Mm -hmm. I would feel very upset and I'd probably be angry back. I probably wouldn't be able to contain it and go, well, it's like this and Mm. sort of, you know, and she went, I would never say that. And I went... But do you see that that's how trans women feel? Yeah. Biology is not everything. In my case, it's nearly nothing. But honestly, if my mother needed a kidney, I'd be useless. Like, I'm not biologically my mother's daughter, but I am my mother's daughter. And she went, oh, I see. And that's kind of all it took. But I could just go, quickly, shut it down. Oh, she's trans exclusionary. You know, like, I think it's not... Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And as cis people, that is our responsibility to have those conversations. In the same way, like, in the summer when we were, you know... I was asking my white friends to, you know, have those difficult conversations with the people in your house. I'm not going to kick down your door and speak to your Uncle Gary and be like, this is the reasons why you should respect me. You should probably do that. He probably won't start screaming at you. So, but that's what, that's your duty as white people. I don't know, you've got the suffragette skills. That's true. I'll just, (laughs) I'll just knock out your Uncle Gary. Um, Just knock him out. But I I definitely, that's another hope as well, especially what's happening um, in terms of the laws and in in terms of young trans children and and puberty blockers and and what we have now. It's our job as cis people to understand, to learn and to defend our trans family. That's what we need to do. I've been doing a lot of work in that respect because sometimes I can be a bit too caught up being black. (laughs) <laughs> like I just that's definitely been the call to be the, fair yeah. Susan that is a full time job I am very black <laughs> well, it's, it's, no but this year um, it really black. has been more than a full time job I know it's been yeah and some of the messages that I've had with you the exchanges I had with you during when Black Lives Matter really came to a boiling point mm. you were just so the thing about you is you were so articulate when you were in a heightened emotional state mm. I, the, some of the voice messages I got from you some of the you know the long text messages stuff, I was like what? it was like poetry it was incredible and at some point when you're feeling 
distanced enough from it and able to, I would love to go over those and yeah. write some of them up because it was unbelievable poetry. And you just made a piece with Somalia Seaton yes. that is absolutely glorious. Yeah. You did the narration, she wrote it. Please check it out. It's on Susan Wakoma's... It's called A Response to Your Message. I think the website is a response film. Dot com and it's a short film it's 10 minutes long and it's absolutely stunning it's by Somali Seaton who was a previous guest on the yes, show yes absolutely so look for that episode as well absolutely brilliant um finally we're five we're going to school we're losing teeth what do you hope for the guilty feminist at five <laughs> just uh, don't don't um wash your hands uh, and just be kind uh, be patient your teeth will grow back um and you know just enjoy not having to pay council tax Susan Cobra, everybody Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're slowly getting back to performing live shows, only very safely. And our next one will be at the Kentish Town Forum as part of Podcast Stop, a brand new podcast festival for London. We'll be there with some Guilty Feminist favourites recording our episode on Thursday, the 18th of February at 7.30pm. To get tickets, see the link in our show notes or on guiltyfeminist.com. And if you're still doing your Christmas shopping, please consider having a look in our merch store where you will find Guilty Feminist mugs, T-shirts, tote bags, notebooks and much more. Or why not pick up a copy of my book, The Guilty Feminist, available wherever books are sold. If you've been able to find a silver lining during 2020, we want you to share it. And we want you to help people for whom a global pandemic managed to make a terrible situation even worse. All over the world, millions of displaced people are living in refugee camps. And for them, there is no silver lining. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go to the Choose Love store. And if you can afford it, you're going to buy something. There's Hot Meals there from five quid. Buy something that you can afford that you relate to. Once you've done that, if you can afford to, you're going to grab your camera or your phone and film yourself playing with your new puppy, playing the flute, baking banana bread, whatever represents your silver lining. Even if it's just having a nap, putting your eye mask on, curling up under your duvet. You can film that, make that funny. Tell us why you did it, what you got out of it, what surprised you about it, whether you'll continue your new habit or whatever you're inspired to show us or tell us. Then you're going to share on social media with the hashtag silver linings and tag the guilty feminist and choose love. We want to fill up our timelines with gratitude, but you're going to tell everyone else in your video, go to the choose love store Share yourself aligning with some people who are displaced in refugee camps 
and don't have a silver lining. And when you go to the checkout, could you use the checkout code SILVERLININGS, one word. We'll put up a sample video or two on the Guilty Feminist website so you can get an idea. And we're going to start posting them from the 15th. So if as many of you could drop on the 15th as possible, that's going to kick it off and get it going and more through the week. So anytime from the 15th to the 24th, post your video. Even if you don't have any spare cash, sharing your video will encourage others to buy something if you explain why it's important. Please remember, you have more influence over your friends and family than I do. So you sharing this is going to make a big, big difference. As Renée Lodge says, when asked how you can be an ally, the answer is, I don't know where you hold power. So you hold influence over your friends and family. So the more you can share it, send your little video on a WhatsApp, directly to them if they don't follow you on social media and get them to make theirs as well. It's going to make you feel great about the year and it's going to make you feel hopeful about the year ahead. Please, please, please uh, play along. We'll share as many of them as we can. And remember to tag us in Instagram. We're at the Guilty Feminist at DF Dubs on Twitter. We are at Guilt Pod and at Deborah FW. Choose Love is at Choose Love Everywhere. And just hashtag silver linings and hashtag any of these other things as well. You are an incredible, inspiring group of people. You never, ever fail to overwhelm me with how much you care and how much you engage. And I really hope you have some fun making your video. And now back to the podcast. Keep that applause going. The next guest is absolutely incredible. She is in a Dragatha Christie musical in the West End at the moment called Death Drop. It's the one, the only, the incredible Kima Bob. Ah, oh, all you can have is the elbows. Oh, so hard. 2020, why? I want to embrace my friends. I want to friend them. I want to tongue kiss strangers. Everything has been taken from us. Hey, hey, gang. How you doing? Look at you, you little mask on. <laughs> Laughing with your eyes. Yeah. I can tell you're smiling because your ears go up a little bit. Yeah, that's where we're at now in society. Um, I was asked to come out, do some comedy. Um, but to be honest, I haven't been writing much. Just been thinking, living life, catching up on Shameless UK. A riveting show in the new season of Big Mouth. Um, but I have been thinking a lot, okay? So I want to share some, um, some thoughts with you. Um, I feel like there are only so many things in this world and in this life we'll allow ourselves to be lied to about. Um, one, for me, is when people say I look good when I know I don't. I'll take that. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and the other is uh, porn titles. <laughs> it's just better when they're lying. Like the fiction helps a lot. I'll give you an example. Do I want a stepdad to bone a stepdaughter? No, of course not. That's horrible. Call the police on that man. Do I want to watch... A stepdad bone a stepdaughter. Well, only if that stepdad is also sometimes cast as a fireman, a gardener, you know, a prisoner. Ooh, 
which sometimes you can get all in one because uh, in America, sometimes they make prisoners be firemen and gardeners. It's a tough one. I don't know. It's just better with the lies. Like, do I want to watch a stepdaughter have sex with a stepdad? No. Unless she also has her own page, gets to play other roles, and is paid fairly and credited for her work. It's just important. Just a thought. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a horned up individual. I don't even, I don't know what it's about, you know? Like, my heart pumps blood, and it goes straight to my clit. It's just, there's, not, there's none up here. It's absolute nonsense. Like, and it's getting in the way of my life. Like, I want to do, like, serious acting roles, but I feel like my horniness would just get in the way. Like, I have a relatively young face, and so I would probably be casting a family, right? But what if the family has a hot dad? Uh-oh. I'm in trouble. I now have to pretend I'm not attracted to this man. I have daddy issues. It's going to be difficult. I'm not that good of an actor. Like, I come home from school and I'm in trouble, you know? He's trying to scold me, but I like it. I'm trying to, like, escalate it. I'm like, what are you going to do, Dad? Spank me? Please? <laughs> Fine, you can ground me, but I bet you don't know where my clit is. Just won't go. They're like, that's not in the script. I'm sorry. I don't know. I have, like, a tough breakup. He's trying to, like, hold me to console me, but I'm just enjoying the cuddle too much. So I don't look sad. I just look like I'm waiting for it to lead to something else. I just will never succeed. No BAFTA for me. Just a thought. It's problematic. Um, a lot of people hate to hear comedians talk about their periods and stuff. They're like, stop. That's gross. That's oh, too fucking bad. Um, because I think there's such a, like, I don't know, a beautifully important time. And uh, when I'm menstruating, uh, three things happen generally. I break out a lot. I'm horny AF, more so than usual. And I have big, beautiful poops. <laughs> Deborah hates poop talk. She hates it so much, so I had to share this here. Um, on my last period, so it's breaking out, getting horny, pooping loads. My last period, I broke out so much, I had to wank to forget. I just needed a distraction. And I made the most magnificent big poopy. It was crazy. Do you ever see those poops and they're so like girthy? And you say to yourself, I'm sorry, ma'am. And you say to yourself, you say, whoa, if something that big can come out of me, could something that big go in? Or is it just an out situation? You look at it and you wonder. So I was looking at my beautiful turdy in the toilet next to my bloody tampon. And I thought to myself, 
there's no way both of those are going down. Like, this is the day I find out how good my plumbing is. It was a successful mission. The submarine did go under. Um, and I found out that my pipes were sturdy enough for my turdy. Thank you. It is a love story. It does a happy ending. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's important. And that's why I love this platform, right? Because um, Deborah hates poop. She hates it so much. She's like, mm, no scatology, right? And I thought that was when you're like, body boo Apparently not. But she lets me come here anyway. <laughs> and there's, there's so much uh, comedy that you do as a person finding your voice and you go, where can I do this? Where can I take this? And I've been so glad to be a part of this and that Debs has like shared this platform with me. So um, this is where I switch from talking about how much I want to bone to being something that English people hate. I believe the word is earnest. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, I've learned a lot from being a part of this. One, I've learned a lot from Deborah, a lot about being an outsider, being a, a person in this industry, being underdog-ish, you know? I've learned a lot about being true to your own voice and trusting that that will lead you to people who care about what you have to say and not being afraid to say what you want to say, even if people are opposed to it, because uh, sometimes they're opposed to it because they know you're right. I learned that you don't have to concern yourself with trying to impress the mainstream. Like Stuart Lee, Lee, Rit, I don't know these guys' names, their audience <laughs> is probably not mine and that's okay. Um, I've learned that I don't have to worry about changing who I am in order to work and in order to do what I love and to share my voice. And that if you're true to yourself, that those people who care about what you want to say um, and who need to hear what you want to say will find you. And that has been a beautiful thing. You guys are like, where are the jokes? Don't have any more. <laughs> um, I've learned that we each have more power than we think we do. I've learned that we each have the power to amplify someone else's voice and to uplift the cause that we believe in. I've learned that it's not always that people are actually smarter or funnier or better. Sometimes they're just louder. And that's why we're trying to hand more microphones to more people, I guess. I've learned that we all deserve room to grow, to fuck up, to learn, to do better. We deserve chances. And that's something that I've got from this platform. And this platform has also made me feel like um, we can change the world. That's not so hard, that activism isn't so far away, that allies aren't so far away. And I share this with you because you have been a huge part of that. This is a community that I'm so honored to be a part of. I'm grateful that you guys have left your homes in a cute little mask have come here to hang out and to enjoy this evening. Um, I'm grateful that you listen, that you care, that you support not only this platform, but the people that are a part of it. I'm not gonna fucking cry, <laughs> but um, I really appreciate this, I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming tonight and thank you for embracing the guilty feminists and all of the porn and the periods and the poops. <laughs> 
I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's say. Keep up, Bob, everybody! Now, keep up, Bob. I just said that you miss all the poop stuff. No, I don't like it, and you know that I don't. You know that I... No. Kima, can you tell me? But maybe I could find a way, no. Debs. What's your silver lining of 2020, if you have one, you don't have to, but if you have one, and it cannot have anything to do with the loo? Oh, no. No. What? No. I was going to tell you about that time that I had, uh, had a poop, you. and it did have a silver lining. And it came out wrapped in foil. It was... Like a baked potato. It was crazy. Do you have any hope for feminism in 2021? (laughs) (laughs) Any hope? Any hope? Um, Yeah, yeah. I think my silver lining for this year is um, I think it allowed so many people to, like, take a step back and think about what matters and what's actually important um, in their lives and to the people around them. I think as, like life as we knew it got interrupted we had to think about what was actually important you yeah know? I hear that I hear that and I had I've done a lot of assessing about mm. how the pace I was living and stuff yeah you'd Tell be like me. you'd be like oh I'm going uh, to a meeting and then you'd be like oh I'm going to a volunteer oh, blah, blah. and I'd be like bitch you need to take a nap that was an excellent impression of me in 2019. Oh, oh. That is exactly what I looked like. She'd be like, oh, charity. Oh, and I'd be like, go to sleep. Give back to you. <laughs> Seriously, though, there's, we, we'll talk about it later in the show. But for now, tell me quickly about Death Drop because that is my hope for you for next year. It's going to lead to so much. I'm coming to Press Night, which is on my birthday, which is in three days' time, 10th of December. Also, Human Rights Day, that's right. I was born... It's the, it's the sort of... It's the humanitarian equivalent of being born on the 4th of July. Uh, can you tell me about Death Drop? Yeah. So, what it is, Dragatha Christie murder mystery. Yes. Um, and it's a cast of drag performers. Um, Two from Drag Race, from RuPaul's yeah, Drag Race. Yeah, so it's Monet Exchange and Courtney Act, who are both like so fun and lovely to work with it's a bunch of like camp characters like imagine me being one of the smallest personalities wow k-mart bob absolute madness it's phenomenal it's so camp and what is the definition of camp you may say i don't fucking know it's bonkers it's madness it's fun Camp yeah. as Christmas. Get yeah. into that Christmas spirit. It's gorgeous. Go down and check out Death Drop. I'm so excited to see it. Thank um, you. And I know it's going to lead to many big things for you. You've been Thank all you. over the TV this year. It feels like, Shut you know, up. it feels like when I met you, you were like so new in town. You were just starting stand-up. I was a little baby. No, and, and <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I'm a little baby. No, no. <laughs> I'm a little baby. You are amazing. You're an amazing woman. Grown woman, and you're incredible, and I'm so proud of you, of everything you're doing. Oh, thanks, Dave. We have just turned five. Yeah. Uh, five-year-olds are doing all sorts of stuff, like putting on their own coat. What are you hoping that we will do? Well, something that I want to do with this five-year-old is eat boogers together. No. What? No. no. Come on. No, you've lost them now. That's... 
Come on. You finally found the joke that lost them. That's Why? <laughs> Keep up, everybody! Bye. Our next guest has been with us since almost the beginning of The Guilty Feminist. She has broken through in the most spectacular way. Uh, first time I ever saw her, I thought she was like literally the best stand-up comedian I'd ever seen. And so I am excited that the television this year definitely agrees. She's all over it, as she fucking should be. And she did a, a Edinburgh Comedy Award-nominated show this year. Uh, no, not this year. No one did anything this year. <laughs> Uh, she ate some biscuits this year. Last year, she did an Edinburgh Comedy Award-nominated show in the form of Hench. <laughs> Put your hands together and make incredible hook noises for the wonderful Jessica Foster Yeah, Yeah. I didn't know what Deborah was on about there. She was like, she's done all the telly. I was thinking, I've had three jobs in eight months, so shut up. Um, no, lovely to be here. Happy birthday, guilty feminist. Thank you for the increased profile. And that is the end of my earnest bits. <laughs> Let's talk about pubes. <laughs> That's why we're all really here, right? Um, no, it's nice. It's so exciting, isn't it? To be, I don't know if any of you, um, first time in a long time coming into town? Thrilling, isn't it? To come out of lockdown two. So thrilling. I feel like I had quite a different experience of lockdown two to lockdown one. Um, mainly because everyone I did speak to outside, always outside, um, said the same thing. They said, don't feel like a lockdown this time, does it? Did you hear that? Everyone was saying it. Don't feel like a lot. That's just don't feel like a lockdown this time, doesn't it? And I reckon I know why it is. Yeah, yeah. All good and well. They kept schools open this time, but the real reason they kept the Costa coffees open this time too, and just in time for the Christmas flavors to come out. What's interesting about you watching or listening to comedy at this exact moment in time is all of us haven't done comedy for a long time, so we're all just sort of seeing if we can still do it. Um, I've chosen to wear some jangly antlers upon my head, um, and you can imagine what the green room is like at a gig like this, with some of the most kind of incredible women in comedy and activists and stuff. There's a lot of conversations that you're listening to, and people are saying very important, meaningful stuff, and I find myself having to nod along like that. Really undermining everything, actually. No, actually, I, do, I agree, actually, with that. Anyway, what was really exciting about them keeping the costas open is I've got a new addiction. Yes, please. Well done, me. Um, I don't know if you've tried it, but um, costa aren't paying me, by the way. This is just what I'm most passionate about at the moment. Write about what you love. <laughs> There's enough hate in the world. Write about what you love. And what I love is a Costa um, Christmas special coffee they've got called the Purple One. You know, the Purple um, Quality Streets. They based a coffee on that. You had no idea how distinctively the purple quality street, you know the one that's got like caramel and a whole hazelnut inside and it's a sort of like opal shape, do you know the one? Arguably the best one. Um, it could, maybe it's a green triangle, we could have a fight. Um, I wouldn't come down too heavily either side. Anyway, you had no idea how distinctively that purple chocolate smells until you've had a purple one coffee and you smell it. It's like, whoa, how have they done that? They put a solid object in liquid form. And what's really exciting, I, go for it, I, I generally go for it no cream. That's too much. That's a bit much. You can have cream if you want. 
I won't judge. Um, and because the coffee, obviously, because it's like novelty uh, Christmas coffee is about four quid, if you get the right cashier, they actually give you an actual quality street purple one with it. Yes, please. Yes. Some of you aren't doing what you want to through December for various reasons. Well, you are now. I've given you something very lovely to look forward to. Really very nice experience until yesterday when I was going to Costa and ordering a purple one. I don't get one every day. <laughs> but many days. <laughs> and I went in and I said, can I I'll have a purple one, please? Fine with that. I'm fine saying that out loud. Um, a small purple one, please. Um, skinny milk, no cream. Um, just how it tastes the nicest I found. Don't get a large because... I can't believe I'm going into this much detail. Um, the syrup's too diluted in the medium or large. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Up to you if you, up to you if you want to give it a stir. I'd say wait, because then you've got a real treaty last few sips. Um, I was sitting there ordering, right? Ordered it, there it was. Little cute behind me, not big cute. Um, I am a feminist, but they... The cashier didn't give me a purple one chocolate with it, and I didn't ask for one, and left livid. <laughs> and when my partner said, why didn't you just ask for one? I, I said, well, mainly because of the shame. <laughs> the shame of being a 37-year-old woman, an adult, a parent who didn't want to say out loud in a cafe on her own. Not going to put the little chalky on there for me? <laughs> I think you've forgot, forgotten the little... Excuse me, I think you've forgotten the little chalky for mummy. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck, I try and leave it a few days between purple ones, but I had to go straight back today and get one with chalky. I think a lot of people have wasted their time in lockdown, their downtime, if they had any, oh, doing stuff like learning a language or writing a book. I have really focused in on um, body hair growth challenges. <laughs> I've put proper, just sort of proper, you know, I've put my mind to it, nine to five. Um, I managed during lockdown one to get my leg hair so long at one point that I was able to genuinely, effectively use my shin as a towel. <laughs> I am... Um, I didn't know it had happened, guys, until it had happened. You know how it is with stuff like that. I had a wet hand. I went like that. And guys, it was dry. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. And you know what? You might think, well, are you a slob? No, I think better environmentalist, let alone better feminist. Um, because um, do you remember always in the bathrooms of hotels? Do you remember hotels? Um, <laughs> They'd have a sign up, wouldn't they, saying, unless you've used your towels, uh, I mean, uh, you do not ask us to wash your towels, actually, excuse me. Think of the planet, actually. Unless, do not, how dare you, unless you shat in your towel, don't you dare leave it out. And if you are going to leave it out for us, ask me in a very special place. You have to go through the three escape rooms to find the special area. We have to leave it for us to wash it. And then you hate the planet if you do that. You basically trying to bonk a whale to death. You are if you're some kind of towel lever out. Anyway, I won't have to worry about that guilt and shame in the future because I just bring my own legs to the hotel. At one point in lockdown two, I left a ponytail in for so long it began to hurt. 
I didn't know there were nerves inside hairs. I ended up having to ease the hairband off like a ring stuck too tightly on a finger. Too disgusting even for you. Not funny. Just rank that bit for you. Fine. I grew my armpit hair out for the first time ever. Very liberating, very freeing. Also helped me stave off loneliness. It's like having a couple of new pets. Uh, Another major benefit of that I found is I often got all the psychological benefits of having exercised, even when I hadn't exercised, because I always smelt like I just had. Um, (laughs) It's a risky one, isn't it, on my feminist podcast? Um, Oh, here is the best thing that's come out of my lockdown behaviour. Historically, pre all of this, I used to have to buy and apply lipstick. Not anymore. That's a permanent red wine tattoo. (laughs) I spent this time, well, I spent the last five years with my own sexist child. He's five years old. He's a middle-class white man and uh, he's arrogant. He's so arrogant that um, I've had a joke texted to me this evening that he said, um, uh, why is mummy a comedian? Dunno, because she does loads of poos. (laughs) I try to eat more fibre. No, this is a lovely recent example of his arrogance, is on his first day of school, which was recently, you know, he's an only child so far. I said to him, did he make any friends uh, at the end of his first day? And he went, I didn't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I spoke to one kid, but he could only count to 60. (laughs) Oh, God, this guy's going to be so lonely. Um, But the most harrowing thing about him starting school has not been any of the children, it's been the other parents. I've been forced into inclusion in a parent's WhatsApp group. (laughs) What a festival of cunts. Um, It is... (laughs) it, It is harrowing. There's a mafia boss leader in there. The passive aggression is unlike anything I have ever known. It's like a deeply, deeply dissatisfying, contact-free fight club. It's so stressful. And there's a leader in there. There's a leader called Lisa Wiggins. And I've never been made to feel more violent by someone's passive violence ever before. Early on, um, somebody in the group said um, something like, oh, you know, I've, the thing is, I just don't know whether they're meant to be doing PE. One minute they're saying we're not going to be doing PE this year. Um, and, ne- and then the next minute they go, you know, we all got a text message saying they are, and you need to have your kit ready for Tuesday. And then there's a phone call saying, no, they're not actually. And now we've just had a, an actual paper letter saying that they are again. So, you know, I just don't know what's going on. Lisa, bang, straight in there, goes, I think they're doing a really good job actually considering. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> somebody's on there going, somebody's stressed out. This parent is stressed out. You know, they're more than one kid. They're really stressed out. They're going, I just suppose anybody can find out a way to get onto the um, online uh, maths app thing that we're meant to be using, the bug life thing, whatever it's called. Like, I can't get any of my longest words. I don't suppose anyone can. Bang, Lisa's in there. She's straight in there. Trick is probably read your emails all the way through. Oh. <laughs> And then here comes the piece de resistance. I went on there. I thought, I'm not using this group for anything other than material. But I I went on there 
because I thought you cut this cannot hurt. I've got my child out grew his school uniform before the beginning of school. Um, <laughs> he's got mummy's bottom. Um, and I said I uh, I got three pairs of age five grey trousers for free if anyone wants them. Bang! Lisa's in there. No thanks. Um, in fact, the other day, my kid said to me, um, I said, how's it going with the old making the friends? And he went, oh, I have got a friend, actually. I've got a um, friend, Milo. And I was like, yes, get in. Oh, good. And he went, do you think Milo would be able to come for a sleepover one day after corona? And I was like, yeah, yeah, why not, actually? And then suddenly I thought, oh, no. What if Milo's mummy's Lisa Wiggins? <laughs> Sorry, son, you're going to have to die alone. Um, Deborah, I've finished. Jessica Buscu, everybody. Come take a seat. I think that's, that's how people should tell their boss they finished their assignments. <laughs> Deborah, even if their boss is called James. Deborah, <laughs> I've finished. Come on, that's when feminism's finished. That reminds me of being a nanny and when the kids had finished going to the loo when they were little. That's what they'd shout. Oh, really? Yeah, I've done a loo joke there. It's not a joke, because I can't make a joke about the loo. You know what I'm like, I'm no, phobic. No, you actually are, you hate talking about wee-wee and poo-poo. Yes, Kima Bob just made me. Well, she Did didn't. She? she talked about it while I went, eh. Oh, these yeah. are torturous, aren't they? I'd love a drink. Not allowed. <laughs> Fuck me. Can't touch. Anyone could have patted that. Is it the MC Hammer Rule? Can touch this. That's right. So it me, I had to spell it out, sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's fine. The idea was they would say it in their heads, but I love that you said it out loud in case anyone didn't because they were young. This feels like a very bold thing now because now no one else can have a sip. No, and everyone's really just got to watch no, us have a sip. <laughs> I, um, it's a very my, high I, um, chin. My, um, my girlfriend's cats um, live with us now and then they don't love me as much as they love her. And I think one of the reasons is because I torture them by doing loads of really big, quick drinking in front of them. Because they, they have, have to do just a little go nappy. <laughs> to get like a crumb, don't they? They get a little droplet an hour and I'm like that. Do you also immerse yourself in a bath of water and go, it's done? <laughs> yeah. I'm finished. <laughs> yeah. You're on yourself for an hour. They, they go for so long. <laughs> Jess, yes. um, that was a brilliant set. Um, a brilliant set. Uh, <laughs> sounded so pervier than I meant, actually. So much flirting on this stage tonight. I don't know what to make of it, but I like it. Uh, can I ask you, firstly, okay. have you had a silver lining this year? Yes, please. I got engaged. Yes! Silver lining, silver lining. Yeah, that's a platinum lining, isn't it? Yeah. Did you do the proposing? Yeah. Because once, in fact, I know that you did, but I don't know the story. And once you were about to tell it to me on the stage, and then Tom Slitsky made a stop because of the patriarchy and time. <laughs> to be fair to Tom, time is a concept the patriarchy invented to torture women. Um, <laughs> now... <laughs> I don't like it. I like time to be fluid in all the directions. Now... <laughs> it's the most guilty feminist thing you've ever said. Yeah, yeah. I just... Uh, time. Um, so can you now just regale us with the story of how okay. the engagement went down? So, again, we're sort of very tight on time. Very tight. Very quickly tell a very long, complicated, important story. No, you can tell it. 
Um, is that, Should I well, tell you the abridged version? Yeah, abridged, abridged, um, abridged. The version that my fiancé had to tell her mum just to keep it quick on the phone, really. Because essentially what I'd done is I'd planned a thing that required pretending I was revealing a completed trick, which is like a this cherry stem tied in a knot. I pretended I'd done that with my tongue. But what it meant was having a ring in a bag under my tongue, which actually is disgusting. Um, but I had made a decision and doggedly stuck to it. Even, anyway... Because this what was it from an in-joke about the cherry yeah, stick. she yeah. can do that trick. And you but can't. But with, like, amazing sleight of hand. No, but I trained myself to do it with my tongue. Right. But I, I didn't know that would happen. I was going to just pretend I'd done it. So the theme and, of this engagement was oh tongue. Oh, God, I'm telling it in the... T- no. I was going to say, oh, my God, I've done the trick, I've done the trick. Come here, come here, I've done the trick. And then get the ring out of my mouth. Right, 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 right. Um, which is what happened, but I got so stressed out about, like, when was I going to put that in my mouth? Also, we were staying somewhere where the woman, frankly, wouldn't leave us alone. And then she went away on a horse ride with her children and said the actual words out loud, I'm just off with my little ducklings. Um, by this point, I was very sort were of stressed. Camping? I just glamping. I was like, I really just want, I want to do the proposal so we can sort of relax and have a lovely holiday. Um, and so I think at some point I said, how long does the average horse ride take? Um, I was in that sort of mood. Um, and then I was like, how do I get the ring in my mouth to do the trick? So eventually she popped inside to get some snacks. And then when she came out, I did it. But I was like, oh, I've done that trick. She's like, what? And I was like, I've done the trick. She's like, but, sorry, what? And then I just got like a big spitty bag with a ring in it out of my mouth. And then got the ring out. So it I d- dried it all off. It's, hang on. Dried it all off. Then it was romantic. Then it got romantic when she realised what was happening. I'd say, this is not a joke. I'm actually proposing. And then it got romantic. And just it got all sort of emotional and lovely and like saying yesy and like, whoa. Click, clop, click, clop. Back they came. Oh, the ducklings um, came back. Yes, with her ducklings. Um, so it meant that when my fiance's mum rang and said, how did she do? it she was able to just much more succinctly than me said I went inside to get some crisps and when I came back she was on her knees in the mud can I just say that spit will oh. come into so few engagement stories of 2020 yeah. Because it's the one thing we're all trying not to pass on. It's what most people are desperate to getting back to doing, isn't it? To, yeah. Um, to be fair, if you're already... Proposing you know, with spit. Yeah. Listen, if, you, <laughs> if you're glamping together, you're exchanging spit anyway, I reckon. Yeah. That is lovely. I'm so happy for you. I'm so thrilled for you. And I can't wait to see what 2021 brings for you. Despite what you say to these people, you are all over the telly and you are having an amazing time and I'm so thrilled for you and just so much talent and also lovely person. So I'm very thrilled. You are. Shut up. It's unbearable. (laughs) But thank you and I love you too. Um, Also, uh, do you have any hope for yourself or feminism next year that you'd like to pass on and share with us? That is the kind of thing that you shouldn't ask anyone as immature as me. Right. You are wearing reindeer horn, so I withdraw it. Um, and instead... You re- say something, Deborah. say something really earnest uh, uh, that you hope for next year in feminism. Um, next year, I really hope that uh, Generation Z come to fruition with their plans for climate change. And if you're listening at home, Jessica Foscue is providing jingle bells there by I'm nodding, nodding I'm her just head. Nodding. nodding her head. 
We're five. You've got a five-year-old. Yes. What do five-year-olds do? What should we be doing now, Jess? Learning all the swears. Yay! Jessica Foster, everybody! Thank you. Our final comedian of the night is, has been around almost as long as The Guilty Feminist. I think she did our fourth ever show uh, that she did on advertising. She is a phenomenal comic, a phenomenal talent. She's just come back from Australia where she's been making like a proper drama, like a proper actor who's fancy and stuff. So she's soon going to be a movie star and probably too unavailable to make this show. So make the most of her while you can and put your hands together and make incredible whooing noises for the wonderful Felicity Ward! excited to be here. I don't know if anyone else... Well, I'm, I, look, we are much more excited to be here than you are. Everyone is backstage is going, oh my God, we're getting to be here. It's so great to be here. Um, I think, I don't know if I made any sense when I came out here at the beginning and did I'm a Feminist Bart, because I was just like going, oh my God, this is a people. And I was talking very quickly, faster than I usually do. I also, I'm aware that I use the phrase, you know what, we'll come back to that. Um, I have no memory, so I have a full pad that I'm going to refer to. Uh, For the people listening at home, that is a notepad, not a sanitary pad. Um, but I, the reason that I am like this is because I had a baby. Uh, I've, got, I've got a baby. Um, he's, I've had him for a year, still got him, don't want to brag. And um, he's, he's at home at the moment, not by himself, obviously. We've gave him the iPad. Um, I was pregnant uh, for nine months. Lots of people are. And I, I try... <laughs> you do weird shit when you're pregnant. I, I tried to weigh my boobs. I gave it away. Like, I had a decent rack anyway, but now they're like, you know, carnival sideshow size. And I was like, well, got nothing else to do. <laughs> Whip out the electric food scale. And it's hard because you don't know how much pressure you put. So you just sort of, <laughs> just like whack a boob on then just try to relax. <laughs> um, I call, them, I call them boobs rather than titties um, because it's, it's very difficult to speak respectfully about titties, isn't it? Like you can't... Like I have breast cancer in the family and uh, a couple of years ago I had some lumps and I had to go to the doctor and I think I would have found it very difficult to trust him had he said, Felicity, we're going to have to do a biopsy on your left titty to make sure you don't have titty cancer, you know? Hard to be respectful. Um, There's lots of stuff that you don't know. Some of you will know this, some of you won't. Your body makes a lot of progesterone when you're pregnant and it's so all your, like, organs and muscles can move out of the way so the baby can grow. So, you know, you've got a lung under your armpit and your, your spleen's drifting up your back and... It's so wonderful that by the end of the pregnancy, you've made so much progesterone, even the muscles in your throat relax. So it's just that much easier to choke at night. It's a lovely, lovely addition to the experience where you can't really breathe anyway and then you wake up just going... You used to work! I've put on a lot of weight, obviously. Uh, That's what happens. Um, and, And I'm not... You know, when I, I put on a lot of weight when I was pregnant, um, 
which is completely normal. But I got so fat, I grew out of my leggings. And it's the one piece of clothing you think is never going to betray you, you know? Like, it, as no matter how fat you get, you and leggings, you're like, Thelma and Louise, we're going to do this together to the end. You know, the, the, it's leggings is the second last and then you've just got scars. If you're too fat for a scarf... I don't know what to do. So I've, when I looked out, I've been a size six for 20 years and now, I'm, now I, I, I've put on three stone since I fell pregnant. Two of them were from pregnancy. One is just for lockdown and um, just a bit of sitting weight, you know? And I don't, I, don't, uh, I like it. Um, it just means when I look down, I've, I've just, I just see leftovers. Just in every sense of the word. And I think about it when I look at my little uh, post-pregnancy belly, I think of it as like, you know when you get a really expensive gift and you keep the box just in case you want to take it back? (laughs) That's what this is. This is the box. Well, the box is below, but... um, (laughs) Made a vagina joke, didn't I? Little joke about vagina. Um, What's my next joke? (laughs) I'm not even going to pretend. Um, my baby is half Greek, which means that he, had, uh, he was in the uterus for nine months and still has a better tan than me. He looks exactly like my husband. Like, he's identical to my husband. I would not be sure he was mine, except I distinctly remember him coming out of me. Someone just groaned. Do you not know how birth works? Or <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Comes out of your vagina. It hurts a lot, heaps, heaps more than you think you can take. No, don't even, why are you feeling pity? It's how you were fucking made. It's, it's, anyway, look, I haven't seen people for a while, okay? I'm a bit aggressive. I've been at home with a baby. I'm just coming to the end of a year of postnatal depression. I'm just happy to be here. God bless antidepressants. And um, look, if anyone is thinking that they may be not okay, I cannot recommend antidepressants enough. I've never done them before. It's not ecstasy. Chill out. You can only get them through a doctor. Do speak to your GP before you just, you know, neck three of them or start shelving them at the end of a party. Um, Are you old enough to know what shelving is? It was the 90s. It was a different time. Shelving is when you put drugs up your bottom and they don't groan again. <laughs> what are you, five? Have you, <laughs> have you heard of a bottom before? What is happening? <laughs> the guilty feminist crowd used to be supportive. <laughs> I'm teaching you about recreational drugs in the 90s at dance parties. We called them dance parties. Anyway. I used to have this thing before I had a baby called um, a memory. It was a memory and I I cannot remember anything. I cannot remember. The reason I used the phrase brain damage before is because pregnancy actually damages your brain. They call it baby brain and it's this cute little word and I used to think baby brain just meant you're a bit of an idiot and you're using your pregnancy. I mean, I'm a feminist but... I used to think people who were pregnant would use the word baby brain to describe them being a fucking idiot. Now, it turns out it is science and it is real. 
It is damage to your brain. I couldn't remember the word cemetery the other day. I said death garden. I said death garden. I don't know who I am anymore. Do you know how long my hair's been in a ponytail? Because I don't. You know the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child? The whole sentence is, it takes a village to raise a child. Mum's tired. I've been reading more. I haven't, but I needed a setup for this joke. I've been reading more and um, I've just finished this a thriller, a mystery about a missing dog. Uh, God, it was heartbreaking. It's called Where's Spot? And um, <laughs> I don't want to give away the whole thing, but, you know, a, a young pup goes missing uh, and his mother goes to find him. And, uh, I mean, she finds him, thank God. I don't want to give away the ending. But, you, like, as, as a new mother, it really, you know, like... He must have been so scared. He was in the basket the whole time. <laughs> and I don't know... I don't know if I'm uh, reading above my skill level because when I got to the end of the book, novel, book, the book, I couldn't figure out is... Do the, do the dogs own the house? Do they, do they own that? Because there's no people. At, like, do they own that? Is it their house? And if it is, why do they have a landline? You know, like, they've got paws. They get, it's a rotary phone too. It's like a slow dial. They can't get a little, a little finger. In, I mean, they don't speak. That's the first big problem. What have you got a rotary phone for? And if they don't, if they don't own the house, if they do have owners, where the fuck are they? Because they have a full zoo in their house. They've got gorillas, snakes. That's irresponsible. Where do you even buy a snake? Amazon? I don't know who these people are. It needs a stronger punchline, sure. Sure it does. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. I've also been reading another bestseller called The Very Hungry Caterpillar and can't read it to my baby before bed anymore. He gets so excited when the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. I go, (laughs) and after two weeks, he nibbled a little hole in the cocoon. He pushed his way out. I can hear my son draw breath. He's like, (gasps) and I turn the page and go, he was a beautiful butterfly. He's like, ah! Every time. Sometimes I just turn it to the last page and go, he was a beautiful butterfly. He goes, ah! I think my husband is tired of uh, reading that book. I heard him reading it in a Russian accent the other night. I'm like, Dad's hit his limit. Dad has hit his limit. I have no idea how long I've been speaking for. Oh, 10 minutes. That's too long. No out. That's me. Thank you. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, so I've been told by the backstage people that in order for these people to get to the bar, we've got to be fast. Okay. So. Hey, we can just skip this bit. I think I've peaked. uh, Silver lining, do you have one? 
Uh, look, I had a baby, but it did have some downsides. Okay. <laughs> he is the greatest person I've ever met. Though. Oh, yeah, no. He's the awesome. greatest person yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. No. Uh, well, listen, you'll have him for a long time as well. So I hope know. so. That's yeah. the plan. That's the plan. Uh, no promises, though. 2020's uh, been a bitch, you know? Hopes for next year. Hopes for next year uh, that I make more money than this year. <laughs> yeah, we're all hoping it's that. It's been tight. It's been tight. It has been tight. It's been uh, tight. And finally, we're five. Any thoughts for what we should do for our fifth birthday? I think you should do what I did when I was five on my first day of school, sat there at the door and welcomed everyone like a salesman. <laughs> oh, it does not surprise me. It's on brand. It's Felicity Ward, Yay! everybody. Uh, the Silver Lining Project that we're doing, it came out today, it was announced on the podcast and there will be a podcast episode about it. Uh, some people haven't had any Silver Linings this year and some of those people live in refugee camps. So with Choose Love, we are, from the 15th of December, making, uh, releasing videos online saying, this has been my Silver Lining this year. Uh, I would like to share that. And then you film yourself dancing or patting your dog or making a pancake. Uh, film yourself doing something ideally. Then you say to the camera, some people haven't had any silver lining, so I have decided to share my silver lining by buying some firewood and a tent at Choose Love. And could you share your silver lining with us and also share it with a refugee by buying something for Choose Love? Are you on for doing that? Great, because we want to fill the timeline with gratitude because I think gratitude leads to compassion. Uh, when you're feeling grateful, if we're all feeling a bit tight and a bit, oh, it's all a bit shit, we're unlikely to give. But if suddenly we go, do you know what? It was really nice to spend more time with you know, the people in my house or it was really nice to... And I'm aware there's people in this country who did not have any silver linings either. Um, so please be mindful of local charities, food banks. Wherever you see uh, somebody who doesn't have a silver lining, try and share yours. I really, really hope we can all do that together. Thank you so, so much. You are the best audience you were so activated you were so wonderful I love you the last five years have totally changed my life and I can't even imagine my life without you and this and it and all of these brilliant comedians that are on the stage tonight and the others that we couldn't have that we've had in the past and will have in the future it actually feels kind of emotional to me to stand here thinking about how far we've come and it gives me such great pleasure to finish the night by welcoming my favourite Guilty Feminist musician. I would say she is our house musician. Uh, she is in our blood and she is always somebody who will bring the crowd to its feet. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Grace Petrie! <laughs> Sorry, it's weird to be out of my house. Uh, I feel very overstimulated. <laughs> but, uh... Oh, good, they're on board. That's good. Yeah. Hey. So I, I know that you've all uh, got masks on. But um, I'm going to ask you to join in with a line. I think that's safe if you're wearing a mask. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> All I can see is your judgmental eyes, but I choose to believe that your mouths are smiling. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to sing uh, a song. That, this, this, is, this room is the first uh, place that I ever debuted this song, um, which then uh, went on to be very well supported by the Guilty Feminist Army, and it's called Black Tie. Um, and it's hey. And it's got, a, uh, it's got a line in it that goes, the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Hey, and I'd love you to, when I sing the images that fucked you, I'd like you to say we're a patriarchal structure, a bit like this. And the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure. Just like that, that's amazing. 
God, I've not done that in nine months. I might cry. Well, it's a jungle out there. The year 2018, I didn't think. We'd still be sorting babies into blue and pink And all our progress Yeah, I wonder what it means That the only girls' clothes that work for me Turn out to be boyfriend jeans Well, that's fine Cause I decline A narrow set of rules that just don't work And these red lines They're not mine If you need me, you can see me in my shirt cause I'm in black tie tonight get a postcard to my year 11 self in her year 11 hell saying everything's gonna be alright no you won't grow out of it you will find the clothes that fit and the images that fucked you were a patriarchal structure and you never surrender to a narrow view of gender and I swear there'll come a day when you won't worry what they say on the labels and on the doors you will figure out what's yours and it's a bloody nightmare trying to fight the spread of bigotry and fear that's uniting Piers Morgan and Jermaine Greer And all our progress Yeah, I wonder who it's for When I dare to utter that trans lives matter Yeah, and all I got was a turf war Well, that's fine Cause I decline Your narrow set of rules They just don't work And these red lines In her year 11 hell Saying everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it You will find the clothes that fit And the images that fucked you Were a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender To a narrow view of gender And I swear there'll come a day When you won't worry what they say on the labels and on the doors You will figure out what's yours You will figure out what's yours And that it's got nothing to do With fitting neatly in a box That was constructed to make it seem Like people come in just two teams And anything that's in between ain't good enough and you will love And you'll be loved And you're in black tie tonight Get a postcard to my year 11 self In her year 11 hell Darling, everything's gonna be alright No, you won't grow out of it you will find the clothes that fit And the images that fucked you Were a patriarchal structure And you never will surrender To that narrow view 
of gender and there's folks you've yet to meet but you're exactly up their street and they've been waiting just as long to hear someone sing this song better days are on their way when it won't matter what they say on the labels and on the doors you will figure out what's yours and girl you're gonna be so happy you're gonna be just fine and girl you're gonna be so happy and down the line down the line thank you very much Fucking year, eh, guys? Wow. The last time that I saw Deborah Francis White before tonight, we were in New Zealand together. We were on tour. I was uh, doing the, I was joining in the Guilty Feminist uh, Australia and New Zealand tour, and uh, she was flying home earlier than I was because I was staying on to do uh, a couple of festivals out there. And uh, we said goodbye in the hotel and said, you know, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And little did we know. But, uh, yeah, I think it's been a wild old year. And, uh, and I think that uh, for my part personally, um, well, I'm not supposed to touch the mic stand, am I? Fuck, sorry. I mean, that's admin that you don't need to... It's not part of the introduction. I should probably stop talking. Um, but uh, for my part, I think that... Um, yeah, the most important thing is like human connection. And I think that this year that has been so apparent to me. Um, and I wrote a song about the lockdown and I'm gonna sing it for you now. And, uh, and it's called Storm to Weather. And it's hopefully a little bit of a, um, a bit of a kind of like mantra that you can take with you uh, that there will hopefully, I have no doubt, be better days ahead than this strange year that we've all just endured together. It goes this. rolling in the clouds are getting darker and you're scared of what they bring and you are searching the horizon for some signs some little spark of morning that will chase away the dark heavy was the winter love and what's become of spring this demon came and got its claws in every little thing now there are miles and glass and distance that are keeping me apart from the beating of your strong and steady heart and if it sinks my darling then just close your eyes and think of when when you'll be in my arms again there's a storm here to weather the thunder's coming near louder than ever and we don't know where to steer i know we can't 
be together No matter what, my dear I will love you forever And we will dance again next year I will love you forever And we will dance again next year Unfamiliar now, it's turned us all around. A sailboat in a hurricane, and nothing's bolted down. And whichever way you turn, there is no sanctuary in sight, no path to some safe harbor in the night. But I am sailing right beside you, I am just out of arm's length. Willing you remember, you are wrought of iron strength, and I am hanging tomorrow's on the bones of yesterday all i can do to make it through today and when my heart sinks my darling then i fill my lungs and i think of when when you'll be in my arms again there's a storm here to weather the thunder's coming near and we don't know where to steer And though we can't be together No matter what, my dear I will love you forever And we will dance again next year I will love you forever And we will dance again next year So best foot first And hold on fast And do your worst This too will pass when it does, I'll be here to fill your glass. And there's a storm here to weather. 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 There's a storm here to weather, the thunder's coming near Louder than ever, and we don't know where to steer And though we can't be together, no matter what my dear I will love you forever, and we will dance again next year I will love you forever, and we will dance again next year I will love you forever, and we will dance again next year I will and we will dance again next year. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a real honour to be asked to do the fifth birthday. I, like all of you, I am incredibly grateful for the Guilty Feminist in my life. I want to give it up one more time for the incredible uh, founder of the feast, Deborah Francis White. Please give her a massive round of applause. And if you will permit me to, I'm going to send you off with some Christmas cheer. And uh, if you know the words to any of this, sing along, it goes this. Are you hanging up a stocking on your wall? It's a time that every Santa has a ball. Does he ride a red 
nosed reindeer Stick a ball upon his sleigh Do the fairies keep him sober for the day? So here it is, Merry Christmas Everybody's having fun Look to the future now It's only just begun Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be far away Once more Through the years We all will be together If the fates allow Until then We'll have to muddle through Underneath the Christmas tree I just want you for my own More than you could ever know Make my wish come true All I want for Christmas Is you and you and you Baby, all I want for Christmas Is you, baby All I want for Christmas Is you make it either to be honest is you Merry Christmas Gary Feminist thank you very much the incredible Grace Petrie everybody the amazing Grace Petrie uh, you've been absolutely amazing so here's the deal Gina the amazing Gina who I owe so much to who works with me and is my right hand woman went upstairs to try and buy some bottles of wine for the audience so that it would just be sitting there for you because we've run over and we didn't want you to miss out on a drink and they wouldn't let us because there's got to be some substantial meal involved <laughs> 20 fucking 20 man so we tried to give you a drink on us because we've run over um, we failed um, but I still believe in feminism. <laughs> I don't think this is the end. I believe in more. Um, go home, have a drink there. Um, 
Sing happy birthday to us and toast us and toast yourselves because the audience is such a big part of the Guilty Feminist. Without you, without the listeners, without people coming to the live shows, without people telling other people about it, without people taking the spirit of it, without people doing the activism, without people going to volunteer in Calais, without people retweeting the hashtags, it just isn't anything. It's just nothing. It's just me with some ideas alone on a stage. And I just can't thank you enough for everything you've given me in the last five years. And coming with me and doing this and for all of these amazing people. Um, can I have a big round of applause for the wonderful Cindy B? The incredible Alison Spittle. The amazing Susan McComa. The brilliant Kima Bob. The wonderful Felicity Ward. Have I left everyone out before Grace Petrie? The, and the wonderful Grace Petrie. I just want to check I haven't left anyone up. Jessica Foster Hughes, she's my favourite. Um, and every, can you give a big round of applause for Tom Selinski because he does the unsung hero work. Gina Dizio. Zoe from King's Place, who has supported us and loved us and looked after us. King's Place has been like all venues really stretched during the lockdown. And, you know, at times you think, fuck, are they going to be there? You know, and all of these amazing people come out and the technicians who don't get any fucking praise ever. They're incredible people. The people who are standing at the door, making this all happen, standing behind a lighting booth, making sure we're heard and we're seen. Just can you give them a huge round of applause? Because this year has been really tough. Um, Please remember that in, light, in, in, in this time, the people behind the show, every time you think about someone like me, think about everyone like them because they're absolutely amazing. And I did a thing recently called We Make Events talking about people who are behind the scenes. Uh, please, please, please uh, keep that in mind. Next year, we're going to have a Biden in the White House and a Harris in the White House. We're going to have a vaccine and we're going to get the show back on the road and we're going to take every lesson we've learned about female leadership about the countries that did best. We're going to take every lesson we learned about being with, sitting with ourselves and not having to run around the whole time and really focusing. We're going to take every lesson we learned about taking the planes out of the sky and what that's meant for climate change. We're going to take every silver lining of this year and we are going to turn it into gold. Please come with us for the next five years. You've been absolutely amazing. I've been Deborah Francis Five. Thank you. Good night. the guilty feminist and all of the porn and the periods and the poops. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mm. Let's see. Uh, guess I host the show now. Anybody want to come up for a chat? Hold on, I'm going to knock on the door. Ch chat amongst yourselves. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com We couldn't really... Look, I'll tell you what happened. I was listening to your set. Come and sit down very quickly. I was listening to your set, Kima Bob. It's okay. You're symbolically passing the torch. No. I, <laughs> uh, this is the night where I gift the guilty feminist to Kima. Yeah. Um,